All right, everybody, we're talking about episode nine, Don't Let the Good Life Pass You By. And this is the last episode before the break in the season. Uh, or is, it is a, like a, there's a cloud hanger on this one. Uh, till, till we meet again, till we return to the good place. Uh, opens uh, with a 5 a.m. wake up. And I said, are those hazel eyes I'm seeing? Are they blue? Are they green? Let me just look here. They're about to come on. There's the NBC peacock. Uh, there's the eyes. It's a gray, green, gray, blue, like a, a quilt, a man getting out of bed. And I said to myself, uh, what in the name of Better Call or is that Martin Mall? It really did say that. I, I was like, who, which, who is this, Michael McKean or, or, or Martin Mall? And it went back and forth as they showed it. Uh, at first, I was certain, but then there was a couple of shots where I said, no, this could be Martin Mall. Like maybe, uh, and they said, either way, I'm buckled up for a ride. There's an eight track cassette player, a Mama Cass Elliott song plays. It's all part of a morning prep montage. Um, he's reading, uh, Pete Singer, the most good you can do, which is a book, uh, or it's a real book, uh, working on solar panels, harvesting radishes, washing radishes. Can at first I was like, he's canning, but then I, there wasn't any liquid in the cans. So then I said, no, he's more jarring, uh, for storage than canning and preserving radishes, uh, for donations. Uh, so more of a transport method uh, for the Alberta Food Bank. Then, uh, and I guess I thought he was in Calgary. Maybe he's in is Alberta, Calgary, Alberta, right? Uh, I don't know. That'll come up later. Uh, then he's, at first I thought he was journaling. Uh, but now in the, uh, like, uh, the uh, context of the episode, I think he's like, uh, like accounting for things. So, so maybe a form of, uh, like I thought I thought of a word I could trademark, uh, what's they called? Uh, like, uh, like when you have the book, the accounting book, uh, life, uh, life, not life accounting. That could be a good one, but that sounds a little bit, I mean, that's what he's actually doing. Uh, it's like a journal, I guess life journaling is not the right word. What is it called? Not a register. Life registering, no, t- trademark. I thought of it, uh, what's it called? If it's not a journal, it's a uh, ledger, life ledgering. That's what he's doing. And I'd like to trademark that for a future book, Life Ledgering. It'll come out in uh, 2028, ledgering your life uh, for happy, you know, and more, you know, like a, a new form of uh, to do life, life ledger. Get yourself a life ledger. Yeah, but so he's doing that, and there's a knock at the door, and they say, hello, and it's a reveal of Doug Forsett. Uh, Michael's totally starstruck, which is super cute, uh, and he says, we're here with the Calgary Times uh, something. They have press patch, patch badges, uh, uh, Calgary Times something, journal maybe? I put examiner, but I don't think it, it fits on the press pass badge, but uh, maybe it does. Uh, or Express, Calgary Times Express, uh, Calgary Express. Maybe there's a joke in there I missed. Uh, and they, so they have press pass badges. Uh, Michael says, I'm Michael Scoop. This is Janet Scoop. Uh, we're the, this is my, she's my sister. We're the Scoops. 
And then there's a millisecond joke reaction from Janet, which is gold. So don't miss it on your second or third rewatch. She says, oh, boy. Uh, then they talk about, we're doing a human interest story on you, Doug. We heard about how you live off the grid. They just noticed the first the first time Doug has a, a lamp with a, like a hand-painted lampshade, kind of watercolor painting lampshade, which is interesting. Uh, and he says, well, is your paper printed on recycled paper? They say, yeah. He says, all right, then. Uh, and then there was this moment that kind of stuck out to me, both for its cuteness, but also as like, a, um, what is this scene going to pay off later in the show? Uh, not the episode, but Janet takes his photo and Michael's trying to get it just like the portrait of Doug, young Doug, Doug Forsett. You know, my life is young Doug Forsett. My portrait of a young Doug Forsett. Uh, and I just, it was just a moment that stuck out to me. And I just like how cute Michael wants to get it the same uh, as the portrait. Like, look there, you know, do this with your face. Uh, then they're having a fireside chat. Uh, they say, he says, here's 1972. Randy and I had a mushroom salad and, uh, they saw it with perfect clarity, how to live the perfect life. Uh, now behind him, I think he's in a, um, rocking chair. There's an Afghan and it has a, uh, like it's square. It has yellow, lime green, dark green, light brown. Uh, square, squarish designs with with the yellow frills on the ends, uh, or whatever. Ta- I guess those are those tassels. I don't know. And he talks about how he learned to maximize his point totals. Uh, Michael says that makes perfect sense. Uh, then he says, "Oh, geez, you've been here like for ten minutes. I haven't offered you water or radishes. Uh, would you like some?" And they say water. So he leaves, and Michael's still starstruck. And he says, how cool is he? He goes, stars, they really are just like us. Uh, and Janet says, Jesus, he's lucky he didn't have the vision Randy had about a world of ears. Uh, and Michael says, he really is the blueprint. Uh, then he brings glasses of water, another character revealing moment. Uh, his glasses are mismatched, which is kind of cool because he has these, like, oh, he gets his glasses at the thrift shop or whatever. He also has an old-school aluminum ice tray. One of the glasses is smooth glass with wheat painted on it. Um, and then the other glass is uh, like uh, has a design to it uh, or a texture to it, like ice cubes almost, which would seem good to hold and, and drink out of. He also says, I brought ice cubes and cozy. You know, you have your water wherever you want. Then there's a nice funny twist on the water. Uh, then we go to the Puking Moose Saloon, which has some nice uh, signs, uh, signage, and uh, wallpaper and stuff. And uh, Cheaty has this f- f- funny moment because he's on uh, Cheaty. He says, "She's uh, you know, saving sco- souls is great, uh, and saving skull, saving skull, souls is great, but uh, it's time to relax and kick back. Uh, I need to re-render my chorf." And they say, what did you say? He said, I don't know, but I'm tired. I got jet lag. Uh, uh, Jason's also very likable and amusing. He says, hey, Jesus, there's a pool table. You want to play some pool? Uh, then Eleanor watches him go to the pool table. She's kind of staring and smiling. And she says, uh, Tahani, can I ask your advice? Uh, and not to go off topic, but Tahani says, hey, are you talking? Do you want to ask my advice about your grading speaking voice? And I think that's funny because I get that email every day, like literally every day. 
uh, sometimes more than once a day or on iTunes or something uh, where somebody talks about my voice. Uh, it's always amusing to me because they are the they kind of uh, are in the belief that they're the first person or they've captured some way to talk about my voice in a not-so-nice way that, that ever. And I'm always like, you know, I've heard that one 1,000 times. Uh, uh, and then I click uh, recycle. But it's just it's just weird to say, well, why don't you just not listen uh, if my voice is so grating? But Tahani's solution is elocution lessons. Uh, and Eleanor says, what? No, no, I was ta- wanted to talk about Chidi. And then she says, oh, yeah, tell me about Chidi. Really funny, funny exchange. Uh, then our Janet's doubts start to creep in about uh, uh, Doug. So she kind of is like kind of doing the truth telling or representing the audience too. She says, doesn't he seem lonely? Or they say that to him. And he says, well, I'm friends with snails. Uh, here's one of my friends right here. He also says, you know, I don't want to be mean to radishes. That's why I only eat radishes. Lentils have the smallest impact. Uh, then we go back to the bar, and they're going to play No Rules Pool, which is called Jacksonville-style pool. And if you want to pronounce it correctly, you say all the syllables really fast, but you got to hit all the syllables to say it like Jason, yeah, which kind of means you make up your own rules and points. So Chidi says, why not? He scores $5 million. It did make me want to put this out to like people that are smarter than me, uh, or like think about this stuff more. Like, what would be, how would this game work? Does everyone have to be honest to, to play it, or just uh, joyfully immersed in the game? I mean, that kind of seems like Jason's perspective, and then Chidi also kind of get, ends up getting immersed in the joy of the game briefly. Uh, does it have to be a non-competitive thing? How does a game work where you choose your own score? Uh, can it ever operate in a fair way? Uh, or what kind of personalities would it take for it to just be fun? I guess you'd say, are you, do you have the ability to have fun? I would say, hmm, probably a better off watching uh, as a third party, watching the TV show version of it, uh, where someone, Jason say, that sounds uh, super fun. And Chidi might say, well, I may be able to find a way to have fun with this. Uh, let me see. Uh, I don't know. There's, you could probably do an hour about that. Uh, uh, then Tahani, I said awkward on giving advice, but uh, I don't know. Maybe it's just a looks or maybe it's a questions. Uh, but then she says, Don't you want to know how Chidi feels? Because Eleanor's kind of talking about uh, her trips uh, to the reboots. And she kind of says, In the end, isn't it important to tell someone how you feel? Uh, then we hop back to Doug, and his, he, he's care, a caretaker of 71 dogs and dog friends. Uh, that he's discovered. He uh, does Raymond's laundry. Raymond arrives, uh, loses Doug's shoe. And I guess this is where the cracks form, and Janet starts to see them first because he says, uh, my job's just to make people like Raymond happy. That's how the system works. He does say remember with a big question mark, which I said, does uh, is that another hint or is that just a referral to the earlier in the episode? And somebody says, oh, then there's a commercial. And Janet says to Michael, like, Michael, you got to face facts. Uh, I don't know about this guy. He just eats radishes and lentils. He's a happiness pump. And he says, a happiness pump? She says it was one of uh, Chidi's lessons. I think it's a counter-argument to determinism. Uh, 
And uh, she says, Doug just does things. You can't just do stuff to make people happy at your own expense. Uh, It's not sustainable. And it may not be ethical. I think that may be like the broader question. Uh, Like, uh, what's your deeper motivation? Uh, Which is kind of makes me identify with Doug in a different way. Because sometimes I do think about what, what, you know, like uh, when you make a lot of decisions, uh, uh, based on A N E X I, you know, you know what I mean. Uh, uh, but then they say, "Okay, we got. I think we got everything we need, Doug. We're gonna head out." Uh, he says, "Thanks, Mark." And then he goes, "Oh no, your name's Michael. I'm gonna lose points." And then he says, "Let me give you a haircut." Then he bumps into a snail. He says, "Does anyone know any snail first uh, helping? Anybody got any tape?" Uh, then we go back to Jacksonville style pool. And Cheetah's really having fun. He scores thirty million, blows Jason's mind. Uh, but then it's time for Eleanor and Cheetah to talk. So they go to a booth, uh, and Eleanor starts to tell him, and she goes, "You and I are like uh, we're like a bomb." And then she goes, "Bomba John," because Bomba John walks in. But Cheetah goes, "Yeah, yeah, we are kind of like a little Bomba John, huh?" And she goes, "No doof." Uh, then Vicky and the other, she goes, "These are." Uh, beings from the good place and that isn't so good uh then uh tahani says she tells tahani and uh jason who tahani says just because people wear stonewashed denim uh then jason goes into action mode uh jason action season hello i'm Sean. Oh, so then some action happens, and Sean says, "Hello, I'm Sean. Where's Michael?" Uh, then we go to uh, like a, a memorial, uh, and we see some memorials from uh, Rosa Parks, uh, the deer of uh, uh, being who rode a deer, 2007. Uh, Franklin Delano Raccoon, 2007. Uh, Martin. Oh no, no. Abraham Lincoln. Einstein. Uh, Mandela Goose, uh, 2015. Martin Luther, Gandhi, Tyler Moore. Little, you know, that was funny. Uh, uh, 20, whatever, this year, 2018, maybe. Uh, uh, snail. And um, Doug's making a speech about the snail. He's even using inclusive pronouns. Uh, then he, uh, there's eight total memorials. So I wondered who else was being memorialized. Uh, Life, love, and the limits of scotch tape. Uh, he says, happy, slimy trails. Uh, and he says he's going to walk to Edmonton. And uh, uh, Michael says, can I ask you a few more questions? Or maybe I could give you some advice. Uh, and he says, I've been a re- reporter for a long time on this crazy blue marble. Met a lot of regular folks. And I've never seen someone dedicated to making other people happy. And Michael says, dude, you got to loosen up, bud. Have an ice cream or uh, a chicken parm. Uh, drink some regular water. Uh, Michael's like a little bit kindly exasperated. And he says, you got to relax. And Doug says, no, no, man, I can't risk it. Uh, everything I do is being measured. I'm going to go to a snail charity. Uh, yeah. Uh, then we cut back to the bar. Uh, the hot mailman dude is behind the bar. He looks a bit like that guy uh, in Green Bay, uh, Aaron Rodgers. Uh, 
Uh, uh, then Sean's making a speech about how much he loves seeing the looks on people's faces. Best part of my job. And Eleanor makes a speech as they zoom in on her about how they're outmatched by Michael. Yeah, it's a total bust. And then Michael rolls in. They says, hello, Michael. And they cut to a commercial. Then Michael says, hello, Sean. Other buds uh, from uh, other worlds. Uh, and they're trying to decide what to do because they're going to say, we're going to put you through the portal. You know, uh, we have our own portal. Uh, to the bad place. Uh, then Janet, a really fun scene, gr- great way to, uh, uh, to to take a break on. Like there's this full uh, choreographed, uh, full-on action Janet scene. Uh, I wonder if there's any Janet Jackson, uh, but it's more of a action movie Janet scene. Tahani shows off her 12 years of fencing. Jason and Janet have a small moment. Uh, real, I, I mean, it, it made my heart palpitate. Uh, she says, thanks, Jason. Uh, let's see. How did you know? Oh, because uh, Chidi and Eleanor are behind the bar. So then Eleanor spills the beans, you know, and she says, she, she spills it like, yeah, like we're a thing, like uh, a thing thing in love, she says. And I think I'm in love with you again. Here now in Canada, in this bar or whatever. Uh, Janet goes into the door. She gets her powers back. Uh, then they they say, you know, the day is saved. We did it. And they say, no, no, Janet did it. Thank you, Janet. Uh, then they talk to Sean. He says, we build our own door. Michael says, why can't you leave us alone? Or somebody says that. He goes, I want your nostrils. I love them. And he says, just to have a hunch, uh, it's not going to work out for you, for anybody, not even Doug Forsett. Uh, and he just wanted you to know that. And Michael sends him out, uh, and he says, uh, don't you want to know? He goes, no, why do you let that guy keep saying mean stuff? Uh, and then Michael's kind of stuck. He says, geez, I thought Doug was the blueprint. Uh, maybe the system is all really is not correct. And he says, we got to figure out some evidence, go to the source, uh, to the accountant. And he says, you guys stay at Doug for sets, take care of his puppies in his laundry. And, but then all of the other people like uh, Glenn and everybody else come back, uh, into the bar, uh, from the not so great place. And Janice says, well, a, this is really hard to end the season. Cause I said, I want to see what Janet's void is like, but she goes, why don't we all go into my void? Uh, and she goes, but say goodbye to Earth, because uh, when you go into my void, you'll be voided. Uh, and they say goodbye, Earth, uh, and then it cuts. Uh, and that was the end of the episode. Really, really good. Uh, I mean, uh, really, really fun. If this is like, a, I don't know how long the break's going to be, two weeks, three weeks, four weeks. Uh, probably be f- f- maybe six weeks, actually, because it's November. Probably start off a couple weeks into January, maybe. Uh uh, but a great way, great, uh, great fun. I mean, without a doubt. Uh, but yeah, let's go over some of the stuff that came up in the episode here. I'm just waiting for Evernote to fire up. Uh, here I am. I mean, I like, uh, I don't know. The episodes just have different kind of notes to them. I didn't look at who wrote each episode. Uh, and I'm sorry about that, but I felt like this episode was like, uh, you know, they always have the nice balance of emotion, comedy. And, uh, yeah, but let's talk about eye color, because that was the first thing that came up uh, 
which is a polygenic uh, phenotypic character uh, determined by two distinct factors, the pigmentation of the eye's iris and the frequency dependence of scattering of light by the turbid medium in the strom of the iris, um, which is cool. I want to look up what hazel is, though. Uh, classification of color, structural color. Green irises, for example, have some blue and some yellow. Brown or mostly brown, but some have a limbal ring. I think I, there was a musical with a song, uh, Come Into the Limbal Ring, I think. Uh, let's see. I'm trying to, where's the changes in eye color? Uh, let's see. There's even a Martin scale on eye color, maybe. Uh, here's the ones they have listed. Amber, blue. A lot about blue eyes. Uh, uh, brown, gray, green, and then hazel. And what does hazel even mean? At first I thought my eyes were hazel, uh, but I'm not sure. Uh, it's due to a combination of Rayleigh scattering and moderate amount of melanin in the iris's anterior border layer, according to Wikipedia. Uh, hazel eyes often appear to shift in color from brown to green. Although hazel mostly consists of brown and green, the dominant color can be brown, gold, or green. Uh, this is how many people mistake hazel eye colors. I guess I'm looking at this one hazel. I think that might be David Copperfield's eyes. Uh, or da Who's a ma magician? Is that David Copperfield? Uh and uh, the definitions can vary. So uh, then there's also red and violet eyes. And, of course, we say, no, Scoots, and I'd say I agree with you. This eye colors come in a spectrum. Uh, but, yeah, that's what happens when you just gloss, you know, gloss over eye color. But, again, I'm not even sure. Maybe the eyes were gray in the opening. Like right now I'm doing the research portion. Now, how about Michael McKean? I mean, if you want to talk about somebody to look up to, uh, he's someone to do so. He was uh, on Laverne and Shirley. He played Lenny. He was on SNL in the 90s. Uh, he's been in uh, several Christopher Guest films, including uh, Spinal Tap. Is Spinal Tap a Christopher Guest film, or was that a uh, uh, Rob Reiner movie? Or is just Rob Reiner in Spinal Tap? Uh, uh, he, like, was lead guitarist. He's playing a guitar in uh, his uh, Wikipedia picture. Uh, lead vocalist and co-lead guitarist uh, in Spinal Tap as uh, Hubbins and in uh, Mighty Wind. Uh, he won a Grammy for a Kiss at the End of the Rainbow uh, and was also nominated for Best Song uh, Academy Award. Plays Chuck McGill on Better Call. And, I mean, that's like a holy mackerel. Uh, he's from uh, Long Island, Seacliff. Uh, uh, so shout out to the strong. Yeah, it was a student at uh, Carnegie Mellon. Uh, that's where, uh, is that where he met? Uh, oh, he met Harry Shearer? Oh, no, after graduation. Uh, uh, yeah, he was one member of Lenny and Squiggy. Uh, let's see. Yeah, he was in. He's in a movie with Kiefer Sutherland and Dennis Hopper. Uh, other shows, uh, yeah, like a really like a wide, wide, widespread career. Yeah, uh, you could go on and on, but but just someone that uh, 
I don't, I don't know. I always like it. Uh, he won a Celebrity Jeopardy against Jane Curtin and Cheech Marin in 2010. I would love to see that. Uh, and, uh, yeah, I mean, he, uh, you, you can, uh, I'm sure you're familiar with him. He was in planes, trains, and automobiles, too. Holy cow. Uh, but it was him and not Martin Mall. And you might say to yourself, who's Martin Mall? And, I, I, you know, we've got a, a very diverse audience. And I wanted to give everybody a chance to be exposed to Martin Mall. Uh, let's see. He was on uh, uh, Hart, for Hartman and then Fernwood Tonight, uh, Mary Hartman, and the Mary Hartman spinoff uh, Fernwood Tonight, uh, Colonel Mustard in the movie Clue. Uh, he was on the TV, like, uh, TV shows uh, Sabrina the Teenage Witch, uh, Roseanne. Uh, Danny Phantom, uh, Arrested Development. He's also like someone that plays the guitar in his picture. Uh, let's see. He was in Taxi, Golden Girls even. Holy mackerel. Yeah, I recently saw him in Mr. Mom, uh, which I rewatched a couple months ago. Uh, what else? Uh, he was a guest star in Hollywood Squares. Uh you see, in the final season, 2003 and 2004, uh, let's see, Gene Parmesan. Uh, he's also been in other sitcoms. Uh, he plays music. I think he does art, too. Yeah, he's also known uh, for, for art, uh, like pop art, collage, photorealist paintings, uh, Hey, one of his books was on the cover of uh, My Sister, My Love from uh, Joyce Carol Oates. Uh, and a cover of uh, uh, Steve Martin, Edie Brickell album, Love Has Come For You. And, uh, yeah, I mean, another just a person that had uh, a really varied, varied career, but also very funny uh, and grounded. They, they, I guess that's why I almost like, uh, well, they're different. They're both in a lot of mockumentaries. And they both have this kind of grounded, uh, dry, uh, uh, humanistic uh, humor, I would say. Maybe. I mean, maybe not. Maybe you don't agree with me, but that's cool. But So we'll talk about A-Track tapes. Uh, now, these were getting phased out by the time I came around, but I'd still, you'd still see them occasionally. Like on a, one of my cousins had it in his car. A-Track uh, uh, tape, formerly known as Stereo 8, uh, commonly known as A-Track cartridge. Uh, it was a magnetic tape recording technology uh, before cassettes uh, and even alongside cassettes for a time. It's considered obsolete and was relatively known outside of the United States, UK, King, UK Canada, New Zealand, Australia, Germany, and Japan. Uh, listen to this history, though. This is where it gets interesting. Stereo 8 was created by a consortium uh, led by Bill Lear of Learjet, uh, Ampex, Ford Motor Corporation, General Motors, RCA, uh, and it was a further development of a stereo pack four-track cartridge, uh, uh, later quadraphonic sound, then quad eights. Uh, it came after reel-to-reel, uh, which was too expensive or practical uh, for home use, uh, and they developed these tape cartridges, endless loop tape cartridges designed in 1952. And Bill Lear got in on this at some point, uh, and they kept doing it. And the Stereo 8, Learjet Stereo 8 track cartridge uh, 
Uh, it came out in uh, 1963. It had neoprene, rubber, and nylon pinch roller and a cartridge. Uh, you know, just just some improvements. It was a commercial success because uh, uh, of the booming auto industry. In 1965, Ford put it in their cars. Uh, factory installed. Uh, let's see, an option in the uh, Mustang, Thunderbird, and Lincoln. RCA introduced 175 car- cartridges uh, from some of its labels. Uh, in 1967, Ford's vehicles, uh, all of them offered this as an upgrade option. Uh, so you've probably seen it in other movies, uh, like in a combo with a radio. Uh, some offered uh, combo 4, 8, and 12-track players. Uh, for, even though it had problems, it wasn't totally, ban- you know, like a company, it was uh, steadily more and more popular. Home players in 66, uh, they didn't, they missed out on the boombox boom, I think, uh, but they did have those uh, uh, Tandy Corporation. Oh, no, no, a few manufacturers offered them, uh, but Tandy, Radio Shack did. Uh, for a short time, they were considered a viable alternative to record vinyl records, uh, especially with car use. Uh, uh, they came in Rolls Royces and Bentleys even, uh, early karaoke machines, uh, quiz game games. Uh, uh, but then the decline started in the 70s when the compact cassette arrived. Uh, and they were phased out of retail stores by 82 and out of Columbia and RCA record clubs in 88. Uh, most rare releases are Stevie Ray Vaughan's Texas Flood and Bruce Springsteen East Street Band Live, 1975 to 85. Uh, so, uh, the debate among collectors about the last commercial eight track released by a major label is uh, either Fleetwood Mac's greatest hits, uh, that's what it seems like, it, but released by Radio Shack. Uh, oh no, Radio Shack keep, keep putting out blank ones. Uh, but it survived as a professional broadcast card uh, for a decade longer radio stations. Uh, so there's a little bit. There's a lot more if you link into this article from the show notes if you want to know more. Well, let's talk a little more about Mama Cass. Uh, Mama Cass Elliott. Uh, she was uh, known as Mama Cass, a uh, singer and actress, a uh, member of the Mamas and the Papas. Uh, she had five solo albums and she's in the rock and roll hall of fame, born in Baltimore, Maryland, uh, adopted the name Cass in high school, borrowing it from actress Peggy Cass, uh, according to Wikipedia. Uh, she assumed the surname Elliot sometime later. Uh, she went to the same high school Jim Morrison went to. Let's see. She, uh, while in high school, she got interested in acting. She did some acting. And she left school before graduation or after graduation, shortly before, uh, to pursue an acting career. Uh, she was in a touring version of uh, The Music Man. Uh, oh, she left to pursue that, but uh, she lost the part uh, to Barbara Streisand. Uh, she worked as a cloakroom att- attendant at the showplace where she would also kind of sing while working. That was in the vi- Gren- Greenwich Village uh, and she moved to D.C. to attend uh, American University, though some people say Swarthmore, as what she sings about one of her songs. Uh, that's when the folk, sing was kick, folk scene was kicking it. Uh, 
and you know people like John Brown, Tim Rose, Jimi Hendrix, uh, and let's see, Tim Rose, Elliot, and Hendrix uh, timed up with. Uh, so she was bouncing around these groups, Love and Spoonful, New Journeymen, new people, all in these different bands. A uh, popular legend about Ellie is that her vocal range was improved uh, by three notes when she uh, uh, walked through something, uh, and it was confirmed in an interview with Rolling Stone. Uh, however, they said that was story was a ex- expon- ex- explanation, different explanation. Uh, uh, then they became the Mamas and the Papas, uh, the New Journeymen. Uh, they came up with that name. Then a solo career. Uh, Dream a Little Dream of Me uh, was released on Dunhill Records. Uh, somebody bugged her for taking bed linens. Uh, and she said, I liked them, so I took them. Uh, let's see. Then... Uh, you know, very beloved. Uh, she had a Mama Cast television show, Don't Call Me Mom. Also, another show called Don't Call Me Mom anymore. Uh, she was guest on a ton of shows and uh, beautiful, beautiful voice, uh, beautiful, beautiful presence. Uh, and uh, yeah, a lot more in here about uh, about uh, Mama Cast Elliot. Also, a beautiful song to open the episode. Another thing at the top of the episode was this book that. Uh, Doug Forsett was reading by Pete Singer, The Most Good You Can Do, How Effective Altruism is Changing Ideas About Living Ethically. And this is a real book. Uh, it's from Yale uh, University Press. You can I'll link to it. Uh, you could even get an exam copy if you need it. Uh, and this is what it says on yalebooks.yale.edu. Uh, from the ethicist, the New Yorker calls the most influential living philosopher a new way about thinking in living ethically. It says Pete Singer's books have been, uh, you know, trying to upset our complacency. And now he's directing our attention to uh, effective altruism built on the simple but profound idea that living a fully ethical like me- life means doing the most good you can do. That's so interesting uh, from this episode. It uh, requires an unsentimental view of charitable giving uh, how good is the organization you're going to be giving to? Uh, will they do the most with your money or will somebody else? Uh, it shows how living altruistically often leads to greater personal fulfillment than living for oneself. Uh, it develops the challenges uh, singers made uh, to those who donate to the hearts uh, into charities uh, focused on helping citizens rather than for those who can do the most good. Uh, wait a second, Pete. Hold on. Uh, uh, but, uh, yeah, it's worth it. Uh, check it out. Uh, he divides his time, ironically enough, between New York City and Melbourne, Australia. Uh, so, that, like, uh, I don't know. Was that where they were? Or were they in Melbourne? What about the Radish? I know Radishes has come, have come up on this show before. Uh, let them eat radishes, I think I once said. Uh, it's a root vegetable uh, grown throughout, consumed throughout the world, uh, mostly eaten as raw as a crunchy salad vegetable, uh, new, numerous in uh, varieties, uh, size, flavor, color, and length of time to maturity. They have the sharp fl- flavor uh, due to different compounds in the plant, uh, 
they're sometimes grown as companion plants because they don't have to deal. They they grow. They're hardy, I guess. Uh, they uh, like uh, they can be ready in, within a month. Uh, where larger uh, varieties can take several months. Uh, can also be a catch or cover crop in the winter or a forage crop. Um, there's no archaeological records to help determine the early history of radishes. Uh, but they've been around for a very, very long time. Uh, good cool season co- crop, as we said. Uh, and I love them. Whenever I sometimes I miss them, you know, because kids don't like them as much. But uh, I mean, really a tasty little plant, if you don't mind me saying so. Uh, what about elocution? Uh, you know who could use that? It's a, it's a study of formal speaking, pronunciation, grammar, style, and tone. In Western classical rhetoric, elocution was one of the five disciplines of pronunciation, which was the art of delivering speeches. Orators were trained not only in proper diction, but on the uses of gestures, stance, and dress. Uh, uh, Elocution emerged as a formal discipline in the 18th century. Thomas Sheridan uh, lectures on elocution in 1762-1775. John Walker, Elements of Elocution. That was one of my favorite. I, I think someone re, redid that. I don't know if that was Wu, Wu-Tang or something. Elements of Elocution. That was a good one. Uh, but uh, then the publication of other works. Uh, um, let's see. In her recent book, The Elocutionist, Women, Music, and the Spoken Word, Marion Wilson Kimber addresses the oft-forgotten female-dominated genre of elocution set to musical accompaniment. Uh, that sounds pretty cool. And you could read a lot more about it. Uh, but obviously, uh, I need to relocate from elocating. Uh, and I move on to lentils, uh, which are a legume edible. You know, lentils go through seasonal hype, you know. I mean, every couple of years... Uh, People are up or down on them. I know a lentil-based woman named Agatha. It's a lens-shaped seed. Uh, grown pods, usually two seeds to each. Uh, Split lentils are known as dal. Uh, it can be eaten with rice uh, or rotis. Uh, it's a dietary staple uh, in India, Sri Lanka, Pakistan, Bangladesh, and Nepal. And uh, as a food crop, it's, uh, production comes from Canada, India, and Australia. Uh, they're the oldest known pulse crop uh, around, uh, one of the earliest uh, crops domesticated and, and uh, found in carbonized remains uh, dating to 11,000 BCE. Uh, let's see. Yeah, I mean, there's, you, could, you could read about it all day long, but... Uh, Oh, the lentil production in 2016, uh, Canada, three, over 3 million tons. Uh, India, 1 million tons. Turkey, 365,000. United States, 255,000. And Nepal, 253,000. Uh, so Canada, man, you're holy cow. You're No wonder they were talking about lentils up there. That's interesting. I wonder if they, really, that he's growing lentils, uh, and they like a, f- a firm, smooth seabed. Who doesn't? Uh, seed bed, a nice seabed. Yeah, that's a little bit about lentils. Uh, here's a website that comes up a lot, and I, I just wanted to share it uh, if you're listening here. 
when I do random searches for stuff about a good place and I can't find research, this website comes up. It's ggia.berkeley.edu. I think I shared an article about it before, but uh, Greater Good in Action, Science-Based Practices for a Meaningful Life. And they have, like, a lot of great stuff on here. I'll link to it, but ggia.berkeley.edu, Greater Good in Action. Uh, it's definitely worth checking out. Uh, I think it could help uh, to have, like, depending on whatever you're going with, uh, it's a science-based, too. So uh, we've got a couple more things to get through here. Uh, stonewashing uh, is a textile manufacturing process designed to give man- new cloth a uh, worn-out appearance. Uh, it also helps increase, this, increase the softness and flexibility of stiff, rigid fabrics like canvas and denim. Uh, the process uses large stones to roughen up the fabric being processed. Uh, they're based, placed in large industrial clothes washers with large stones, and they get tumbled with them. I never, like, I always wondered what it meant. Uh, uh, Levi Strauss uh, claims to have invented uh, stone washing. Great Western Garment Company that was acquired by Levi's uh, says they invented it in the fifties. Claude Blank Blanket uh, says they invented it. Uh, a jeans company Edwin's claims to have invented it. Uh, so many, a lot of companies claim in stone washing. Uh, it creates a faded, worn appearance, uh, affiliated with Western-style soft acid-washed denim is uh, washed with pumice stones and chlorine. That was popular in the 60s, uh, in the 80s, I think. Uh, I remember that. Uh, mainstream popularity. Oh, this is still talking about acid wash jeans. I, I thought we were talking about... Uh, uh, stone washed. I guess that's uh, pebble washed would be acid washed. Uh, not to quibble with, you know. Okay, what about walking uh, from Edmonton to Calgary? I think that's where Doug Forsett was going to walk. Uh, of course, I wanted to look that up. Uh, it looks like it's, uh, it would take straight 62 hours, and Doug's a slow walker, so. Or 64 hours. Uh, this is in Canada, so we're doing kilo, kilo, kilometers. Uh, and it would be, uh, like, so three days, uh, not, I guess that would be nonstop walking, 24, 48, yeah. Um, 12, 24, yeah, it would take about six days because you couldn't walk more than 12 hours a day, you silly gooses. Uh, I forgot how long Doug said it was going to take. There's two main routes uh, that come up on the map. Uh and, you know, Calgary's, if you're leaving from Calgary, you got Banff, uh, right, or the thing, thing. I know some people that used to live up here. So you go through Red Deer. I know some people that lived there. And then eventually you'll end up in Edmonton. Let's see the name. You'd take 814-2A most of the way is one route. Uh, though you could take uh, 791, which looks like a little bit more, less busy. As an alternative, it looks like you could also take two. Maybe you just can't walk on two. I don't know. Um, but either way, it's a very it's a straight shot. Um, as I mean, as the crow flies, but even the roads, uh, it's a fairly straight shot. Um, because of my internet stuff, I'm looking at the map version, but I'm sure it's very very scenic, and uh, you know, it's something you could do. Uh, probably don't want to do it in the winter. 
Yeah, what we could do is like take a train from Vancouver to Calgary, then walk to uh, Edmonton, or you know, fly into Edmonton, walk to Calgary, and you could say, you know, what about Saskatoon or Regina? I've met a couple um, podcasters from there, uh, so there's a lot of possibilities. Uh, but it it is walkable, but a long walk. But I think everything is walkable. Then the other thing Doug Forsett was into was snail charities. So I just had to Google, is there any snail charities? And what came up actually was uh, from Brighton on the Brighton on the inside dot co dot uk. So from Brighton in the UK, uh, this community article. I don't think I don't see an author. Uh, the streets are teeming with snails as snail space gets started. And no, it's not some sign uh, that something's going on. It's a brilliant, uh, it's Martlet's Hospice's uh, uh, brilliant, and art, art, brilliant art and fundraising project, Snail Space. Uh, it's a giant snails. Uh, Mal, it's the local charity that cares for support, and supports people, is teamed up with Wild and Art. What a wonderful project uh, with a wonderful uh, uh, caretaking um, mission. They did snow dogs in 2016, and they wanted a mass participation sculpture trail that was fun for everyone while raising funds. And uh, whatever year this article's from, maybe it's this year. I don't know. I don't see a, a time on it. Uh, it wasn't until the 18th of November uh, you would find all sorts of sizes of snails around Brighton and Hove. Uh, uh, 50 giant snails decorated by well-known artists and residents, uh, uh, David Shrigley, Art and Believe, uh, Cassette Lord, uh, you know, Snail Space website has all the stories behind the art. There's 57 junior snails decorated by children, and each snail is totally different, and they recommend uh, using the Snail Space uh, routes to find them. And please let me know if you've if you checked out the snail hashtag be more snail. That's one word. Be more snail. You know, include me on it. Uh, let me know about your snail walk. And it's just aligned with Doug Forsett. I mean, they're raising snails for people, a project helping people. But uh, you know, who says we can't do five? You know, that, you could, that eventually they couldn't say, well, let's put five percent towards the snails. But it sounds like something uh, Chidi and Jason could get behind. It sounds fun. It sounds artistic, uh, wonderful. And uh, I want to say wonderfully uh, good night to you. Good night. All right. I want to thank everybody who took the time to review the podcast on Apple Podcasts. You can do the same just in your uh, app on uh, your iOS or on your desktop on iTunes. I want to thank M. Uh, Fishy Poo, uh, who says, works like a charm. I honestly had no idea what this podcast about is about. That's how sco- good Scooter is at making me fall asleep. His vo- voice is monotone and smoo- smoothing. About, I make it about five to six minutes in. Discovered it through MFM. And uh, good old Georgia recommended that it puts her to sleep in seconds. A great listen if you're like me and you have a hard time getting asleep. Thanks, M. Shark. Uh, then Sunrise Hope says, disappointed. Uh, you don't like the language. Questionable episodes that end up not putting me to sleep. Uh, one star. Uh, then Paxton Laserbeam. I don't know if that's uh, Bill. Uh, amazing. It puts me to sleep every night and I wake up happy and ready to have a good day. Wow, that's, uh, new. that's nice. It really works. That's from Buried Treasure, like T R A Y. Uh, 
Uh, case has been putting me to sleep a couple of weeks now before long. It was one of those that needed TV on. But wow, this works so much better. Never make it past 10 minutes like magic. Thank you. Uh, thank you. Then Morgan P. from the UK says, more more annoying than boring. Uh, love the concept, uh, uh, but uh, don't like the grading voice. Uh, never ending intro sponsors. Actually, we're lucky if we have one sponsor in intro. And uh, hope for a relatively swift transition to a story, i.e. the purpose of this podcast. Uh, yeah, we're slow to transition into the story. Oh, boy. Just even the, I don't know if you actually heard the uh, recaps ever of uh, one of our serial stories. Those also take like five or six to eight minutes. So you're for sure overall not soothing nor boring to listen to. Simply irritating in more ways than one. It delightful, delightfully accurate for you, I guess. Uh, uh, cats, cats zen. I don't know if that means cats in zen, but they will say it works. Uh, just like Scooter said, it made no sense to me the first couple of times I listened. It was, maybe this uh, Morgan will hear this one and re. Uh, but I'm glad I did. I have a hard time falling asleep. Wake up several times a night. Uh, now I just queue up six or seven episodes, wake up uh, hearing the dulcet, creaky dulcet tones, and fall back asleep. Highly recommend. Uh, D. White 07017. Perfect podcast. Uh, don't know how, how, he do, how he does it, but I turn on the podcast, listen for a few minutes, and it's morning. Better than DRUGS's. Uh, Sobanski says uh, it's the best one, best podcast for sleep. Uh, uh, so good pod, so good a podcast. It puts me to sleep. It's from Fun with Owen. I used to not fall asleep until late at night, and uh, but uh, and say uh, how I fell asleep. Uh, but now your podcast makes you fall asleep every time. I like how you talk about nonsense. Uh, thank you. You make this a pond because passport. Because I think they're doing it because in without it, I'd still be awake right now. Thank you, Scooter. Thank you, Fun with Owen. Uh, speaking of brain, bro- brain bots, here's TomBot5000, one of the fa- most famous, uh, uh, so wonderfully boring. Amos loves so good since I <laughs> attended an introduction to soils class uh, in college. And yes, that was a real class attended by a robot named TomBot5000. And finally, Simph- Sam says, beautiful surprise. I had no confidence this would work uh, since I usually need to sleep in silence. and never has found, nevertheless... Nonetheless, I found myself uh, suddenly struggle to sleep in the middle of my pregnancy, and I was willing to try, and so glad I did. First few tries, I too tried to make sense of it, and therefore ended up laughing. Because I thought it was funny, and I was shocked when I found myself waking in the morning and not remembering any transition. Worked like a charm. My baby's uh, almost two months old, and I stopped struggling getting to sleep, uh, but now I listen because I enjoy it, and I sometimes miss scoots. Rested parents are happy parents. A pleasant dose of nonsense. Give it a try. I'm pretty sure I never made it the story until uh, I put it on for background noise during bath time. Thank you so much. Uh, thanks, everybody, for reviewing the show. Uh, you can do so, you know, in your apps. I think I said that. Uh, Sleeping Me is a list directly supported by listeners. It exists as a free podcast because of the listeners that support the show on Patreon and because of the ones that support the sponsors. Uh, that's what has this podcast free, so thank you for everybody doing that. Uh, Sleep With Me grows and find, finds new listeners. Number one way, word of mouth, in person or online. Uh, so thank you for using your power 
of uh, honest sharing to uh, help grow the show. Really, really, thank you so much. You know, I feel so grateful when people share the show or share that they support the sponsors or support the show directly or share their story and their support with me. I really yeah, feel grateful and energized. So thank you so much for that. Also feel proud to work with uh, Night Vale Presents, a wonderful collection of shows you can find at nightvalepresents.com. And I also feel uh, pr- 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 doubly proud or proud once again uh, to be work with uh, PRX. You can see everything they're doing at prx.org. If you're in uh, the Boston area, you can check out the PRX uh, podcast garage. Uh, and that's it. We queue up another show if you need it. I'm here. I'm here to help. Uh, let me. Let me puff that pillow there for you. Good night. All right, everybody. We're talking about the, what I thought. I didn't realize this episode was coming, but this is the mid-season finale of uh, The Good Place. Uh, episode 9, Janet. Uh, uh, Janet and then S, Janet. So the S is in parentheses. Uh, and this was a treat because I thought the last episode was uh, the season finale when they went into Janet's void. But this takes place within Janet's void. And it starts with a zoom of Michael. He's doing air squats. Uh, his hair, is my hair still amazing? He's back in his uh, suits, uh, really nice suits. Uh, kind of a darker royal blue color. Uh, his shirt is like almost, I guess I wish I had more words than lavender for it, but a pocket square and shirt in a lavender type color. I don't know what this says. Ties make a competent, corrugated. Oh, some of the colors that complement Janet's colors. Uh, his pocket square also has like what seems to be some polka dots. I'm pretty sure I have some bow tie commentary somewhere on here. A trio, holy cow. What does that mean? Uh, pupils wear blue. Oh, tie, holy cow. His tie is really nice. It has purples. Oh, yeah. Whites and blues. Uh, here I put that his jacket is almost a perfect blue. And then we find out that there's four more Janets uh, uh, that the, the, are humans are now Janet. I guess they're not humans anymore because they're post-life humans. Uh, they're Janets. Uh, I think it goes Jason, Eleanor, Chidi, and Tahani. Uh, from left to right, uh, and then they say, okay, uh, that one, Jason, open. Uh, I'm not sure what that is, but Janet changes them into outfits that are more suiting of their characters. Uh, really amazing acting. Holy cow, what a, what a performance uh, by Darcy uh, Carden. And uh, really, uh, let's see, so we have Jason. I wish you, uh, chapter 36, uh uh, next beat, uh, but still a uh, great thing. Uh, four Janets addressed as their essences, reconstituted. I licked that word. I didn't have a chance. I didn't look that one up, though, because there's so much interesting stuff to look up here. I know what some of this writing is. Uh, next but, boat, next but, but, but still... And it's probably stuff Michael's saying, uh, like, uh, uh, but then Janet makes a living room in her void for the humans, a sofa one with one chair, a painting, a floor lamp, a side table, I think with a desk lamp, a coffee table, 
Jason Janet's messing around. He calls sofa uh, interdimensional discussions. On the coffee table, there's these three giant glass things. I don't know if they're decorative. They look like giant jelly beans. Uh, like, uh, and then there's also a wooden box with carving on it. Uh, but basically, uh, they're stuck in the humans are in the void, and uh, Michael and Janet are going to go to the accountant's office. They go there and they meet neutral Janet, who's the blank sheep of the family. And Janet has her, her she says, geez, I can throw shade now. And they say, geez, we want to see the head accountant. We'd like to uh, see him uh, something. Poster for, oh, there's a wanted poster for the four humans. Uh, and it's a dot matrix printed poster. A poster wanted for processing or something. There's two kinds of languages on the poster. This is a cork board. There's also a memo from uh, Matt to everyone. Uh, something like about uh, it, 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 it's a, there's also a, another pink memo and, and that's all in bad place writing or that script they're using. Uh, but it matched. We couldn't read Matt's memo, but it had to do with something coming up uh, regarding future something rules. I don't know. Yeah, then we see that having four humans inside her void is not good for Janet because she sings a little share. Uh, and then we go back and you know, she's, we see that she, for the whole episode, Janet's going to play all the roles of the humans or for the majority of it. And uh, the Eleanor Janet uh, conjures up a puppy. Uh, oh, in the waiting room in the accountant's office, there's individual lockers in the waiting room. Uh, then they say, the head accountant will see you now. And we see that the head accountant is none other than Stephen Merchant. Uh, and he has a mug that says, existence's best boss. He, he kind of plays like a role, not a David Brent role, but uh, more of like a office drone role. Uh, quad turn, Eleanor and Cheedy. A quick tour. He's like, you guys want a quick tour in my office? Then we go back to Eleanor and Cheedy Janet's. Uh, they're talking about their other lives and the love story. Uh, but Janet Cheedy's like, that wasn't me. That was a cheat. That was another Cheedy, not not the Cheedy I am. Uh, and something not some Cheedy's. Janet makes or Janet Eleanor Janet makes accidentally makes more puppies. Yeah, we see some of the departments in the accountant's office. Walter, he works in borrowing, parentheses, money, which is a cubicle or something. Is J2-3, strange sign, 8 uh, dash, or 8 strange sign, dash, 3. Uh, my handwriting is uh, Mildy or some, somebody... Uh, Mike Milk, it says, but I know that's not the person's name. Uh, uh, he, he's in charge of impressions, parentheses, Borat. Uh, and then we see Stacy, who's in charge of songs with specific dance instructions. Uh, so those are some of the things that'll get you to the bad place, apparently. Uh, maybe. We kind of get, like, a cool behind-the-scenes, uh, some of the workings... Uh, the not so well workings of the uh, 
afterlife judgment system. And yeah, just uh, the head accountant shows us the main feed, which is a kick compute, like a, com- a computer, an old computer. Everything the technology is dated, which I guess fits for a bureaucracy, and it's in a wood frame, so it's almost like a kit computer, like you build your own one. Yeah, here's a little pro tip: don't do destination weddings. It's negative twelve hundred points. A themed destination wedding is negative four thousand three hundred points. So extra 3,100 points just for having a theme destination wedding. And if you have a destination Lord of the Rings themed wedding, a lot of negative points. Uh, we see the printout for Richard Moore, I think was his name. He was uh, he was like putting coins in a gourd. And then we see somebody, I can't read this, Ward or Mark, uh, he was in charge of, uh, uh, um, not just like uh, judging uh, 99% of the time new behaviors are sexual that humans invent, uh, that the accounting office has to judge uh, whether they're a positive or negative uh, point system. And uh, this one, yeah, is like uh, stuffed. Oh, let's see. The people in the stuffed vegetables. Uh, somebody with an A is in charge of stuffed vegetables. Somebody, Hector's in American Coins. And Matt is uh, in charge of the uh, SEX things. And they find out that putting coins in a gourd or something is negative 9.8884 points. Uh, and that that's double-checked by 3 billion accountants. Uh so it's always correct. Uh, they also use, at first I thought it was vacuum tubes for the mail, but I think it, then I looked it up as pneumatic tubes. And they send all the records to the good place or the bad place. Uh, I think people's records are something. Uh, but the head accountant says, you know, this system is flawless. Uh, then Michael says, huh, well, you know, I'm not sure about that. Uh, can we see, what about Doug Forsett's file? Can we see that? Uh, then we bounce back uh, to uh, Cheedy, Ellen, uh, Cheedy Janet, or Janet Cheedy is teaching Ethics 101. And I have trouble getting some of these notes out. And actually, maybe it's coming up here. Uh, but at first it says, just on the chalkboard, Professor Cheedy Anagonia, Conceptions of the Self. Uh, then there's a note here for me to pause it. So let me see if I can find it. Uh, because I think it says Derek Parfait is one of the people being quoted, uh, who's from 1992 to uh, 2017. Then I said, is that the Derek from season two? Uh, and I, I said, well, maybe, but they, and they explained, uh, uh, he, he talked about the, 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 this Derek Parfait or whoever. Uh, explained intention and identity uh, with a split. Uh, like, uh, he said, hey, if you took yourself and then you uh, divided yourself uh, into two selves uh, or, or the essential parts of yourself, which one would you be? Oh, which is a real self? Derek Parfait, it is. Derek Parfait. Uh, and they also are talking about John Locke. Uh, which one is me? Uh, so that's kind of the questions Chidi's pr- proposing. The, then uh, Eleanor, like uh, person A, person B, or person C, or if person A is split into person B and C, uh, 
uh, it's a thought experiment, then which one is you, person B? You know, this is not exactly stuff you want to be contemplating when you're trying to sleep. Uh, but it, maybe it could put you to sleep because you say, well, I guess does it doesn't really matter. Uh, yeah, but in conceptually it does, uh, especially to Chidi at this moment. Then we see the books that Doug's... Uh, they use real books that have computers and screens built into them in the accountant's office. Uh, I think that was just a cool to use, uh, uh, like a book of Doug's. It brings up the electronic file. It's a Douglas is his real name. He has 520,000 points. Douglas Forsett, uh, L. Forsett, actually. Uh, and he's 68 years old, so that's not qualifying for the good place. There was even a grid with something moving at it. I wasn't sure if that was Doug Forsett. Uh, Michael says, how can that be? We're just there. He's living this excellent life. Not, not exactly fulfilling. Michael doesn't say that, but uh, he says, geez. Uh, and they get, uh, the accountant says, no, the system really works. Let me show you the first point. uh from 2001, 993 BCE, Oog gives a rock to Goog or something. Uh, first incident of altruism. Uh, then the uh, poor guy shows up uh, because the Burning Man started. Then we're back to the lessons. We're talking about David Hume, uh, bundled ego or something. Uh, Jason's not there anymore. Changing impressions. Oh, Jason's in a broken hot tub with Pillboy, and they're drinking 40s. And then Pillboy says, oh, dip, uh, uh, please. Uh, uh, Jan- the real Janet comes and says, quit messing around. Uh, who is getting in? Uh, this is your name. Last three years. Okay, so Janet comes and sends the hot tub back. Then Janet, real Janet, is having trouble with Michael. She says, hurry up, Michael. Uh, Michael says, okay. Uh, basically, he goes, okay, let's figure out who got in in the last three years. Uh, like uh, Three years ago, he says, uh, last or this year, no one. Last three years, no one. And there's lots of funny typing. Uh which is always funny, watching people fast type. Uh, comedy typing, underrated for me. You say, Scooch, what's your favorite form of subtle, I say typing, who's your favorite typist? Well, Michael Janet, or maybe now uh, the account head accountant. Uh, and they say, well, last time someone got into the good place was 521 years ago. And Michael says, well, do, do, do you think that's a working system then, dude? Then we see Janet's breaking up. Uh, Janet, Jason, and Janet Cheedy have a nice talk uh, until Janet Jason says, let me tell you a story about my 80-person dance crew. And Janet Cheedy says, I thought it was a 60-person dance crew. And then he's like, wait a second, you're Eleanor Janet pretending to be Jason Janet. Uh, Then Janet kind of does an I Dream of Genie thing with her nose, or I don't know what show. There's two of those, Bewitched and I Dream of Genie. Just until now, I said, there's a show, other show other than I Dream of Genie. These were old shows before my time, even. Though they were on Nick at Night. I didn't really watch either one of them, but I'll talk about that. Uh, Then there's a break. uh, Then there's this far shot, and it zooms into uh, Eleanor and Chidi talking, the the kind of... uh, 
the void's breaking up. J- Eleanor Janet keeps uh, switching. And then we go to real Janet. She says, well, the, uh, somewhat Eleanor's sense of self is crumbling. Uh, and then they say, you should get a hold of together, Eleanor. Uh, we're, okay, then we have this interesting, uh, funny little thing of uh, Tahani Janet and Jason Janet are walking and they're leaving dots behind them. Jason has aqua dots and uh, Tahani has purple dots. And there's these giant signs that are walking past. Uh, one says, uh, uh, lost, uh, head this way, which is the opposite direction uh, from where they're pointing. And then two other signs say, uh, where you came from, and it points to the opposite direction they're going. And then they stumble on this giant flash, flat screen. It says, you asked Janet for help with, it's a search engine. And I think the button says Janet, too. And it's also audible because Jason says something. Cartoons for Jason. It says Jason, all these exclamation points. And then there's a Jason and Janet kind of fan page. It has their wedding album. Their wedding album kind of points to an E on Jeremy Baramy. So I don't know if that's Janet's Jeremy Baramy. Uh, let's see. So then the, the, the accountant says, we're going to, he goes, I guess that's it. If you want to stick around, we're going to celebrate Marisol's birthday. She's 39 million again. Uh, and then Michael kind of says, what are you saying? Dude, like no one got into the good place. You know, uh, Harry Tubman, uh, Salk, uh, not one single golden girl. And I said, wait a second. Are, what are the golden girls are? Are some of them are still with us? That's why, Michael, I hope, uh, and then he says, take it up with the committee, which was only a small mention, but I guess because I watched you so many times, I said, okay, that's a pretty poor, important thing. And then the accountant does the Willy Wonka, Gene Wilder Willy Wonka. He says, good day, sir. Uh, and Michael goes, well, who's going to help us now? And Janice says, it has to be you. You have to fix it, uh, but marbleize me first. Uh, then we go back to Cheedy and Eleanor uh, uh, kind of talking. Oh, Cheedy's trying to keep Eleanor, uh, her sense of self. He says, uh, uh, remember who you are. Your emergency contact is Britney Spears. Uh, your favorite movie is when uh, uh, John Travolta was, is a YouTube video of John Travolta saying Adele Kazim. And uh, then she, finally they have it, K-I-S-S-I-N-G, and has a magic 360-degree spin around. They both say, big breath, she says, nice work, bud. Then they have K-I-I-S, K-I-I-S, and they double it because they have a second one. And then we're back. Janet's okay, but then she Zeus's out all of the um, humans uh, or post-humans. Uh, everyone's safe. Uh, so Michael says that's good news. Bad, you know. Then uh, the account says more good news. Cake for everybody. And Michael says this has no plan. This doesn't make any sense. Uh, so I'm going to do it. Uh, uh, and then he takes the cake out of the accountant's thing and just throws it on the ground. He says, go. And he grabs a book of dugs. Uh, he asks for a volunteer uh, to go through the pneumatic tube to the good place. And Jason volunteers. 
And everybody follows him, uh, and they come out in, like, an old mailbox in, like, an old-school mail office. Uh, kind of an 1800s feel, but I have no idea. Uh, and then, uh, uh, Eleanor says, where the fork are we? And finally, uh, you know, episode concludes with holy forking shirt balls. Uh, so they're supposed to be in the good place, maybe, hopefully. Maybe they'll look for this committee in the second half of this season. Good place to get renewed for a fourth season, which is great. Uh, so a lot of good news. I don't know how many episodes are coming up in the second half of the of this season uh, or when they'll be at January at some point. But, uh, you know, it's, it's good news. So, so let's do some of this research now. Okay, so let's see. Janet's a good place. Let's see what came up on this episode here. Oh, Dot Matrix printer was one thing. And according to Wikipedia, so this was a printer that we had, I think, in the 90s even. Uh, oh, wow. We'll see. Maybe even uh, into the aughts. Uh, I don't know in the last, I think I had one in the 80s, maybe. Uh, maybe it's the 90s. No, I had one in the 90s. Uh, the dot matrix printer is an impact printer that prints using a fixed number of pins or wires. Uh, in contrast, inkjet jet and laser jet printers typically exhibit dot matrix printing, but they're not considered dot matrix printers. Uh, impact versus non-impact is one way printers are divided into cl- two classes. Uh, uh, they use a, a vertical column of pins which fire and thus force contact between the paper in an ink-soaked ribbon. Oh, so just like a, ty- a bit like a typewriter. In the 70s and 80s, they were considered the best combination of cost and versatility uh, until the 90s and were by far the uh, most common form of printer with personal and home computers. Uh, the first one was the Centronics 101, and they had parallel electronic interface. I think that was a car, car cord you always had to friggin' buy. Or you had, I think originally you needed your own uh, printer card, yeah. And then the, the USB came out. But printers, you know, they're still, it's like you, you, they sell them without a cord. They say, holy mackerel, and then the whole thing with the ink. Uh, let's see. But now, like, with wireless printing, I guess there's not much they can do now. Uh, 90s, by the dawn of the 90s, it says inkjets were more common. Uh, like, see, they have a lot of different ones. Low cost uh, in the 80s, the price, uh, they, uh, they became faster and more versatile than daisy wheel printers. I remember the IBM Selectric uh, it was a daisy wheel typewriter. And then the increase of pin, how, pin count at the pin, 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 print head from 7 to 8 to 9 to 12 to 18 to 24 to 27 to 36. Uh, which permitted better, uh, superior print quality and to, to go to more uh, diverse markets uh, with more complicated printing in, in their languages. Uh, ESPN, ESP Epson's 24-print uh, LQ series was the new standard. And, uh, you know, I, I don't think I ever, I think, I don't think I, as manufacturing costs declined, uh, the 24-pin printers were replaced by 9-print ones, uh, uh, I don't understand that. Uh, a near letter quality mode. I don't, I don't know if they could, could they do that. I guess so. Uh, so I don't know. It definitely was not. It would make this like squealing noise as it went across. Uh, 
Uh, some of you might remember Dot Matrix Burner. Some of you, luckily, I guess you were spared from it. Uh, and everyone in the last uh, 20 or 30 years may, may, may or not, may not know Stephen James Merchant, uh, who's known for his collaborations with Ricky Gervais and Carl Pilkington. Uh, he was a director and writer for The Office, Extras, The Ricky Gervais Show, uh, Life Too Short, Carl uh, uh, Pilkington's different shows. And really just a great surprise, uh, someone, I, someone I, I guess I, I really look up to, very tall. I mean, I didn't even mean it in that way. I hear Matt Lieber's tall, too. I've never seen Matt Lieber in person, but I uh, wonder who's taller, Stephen Merchant or Matt Lieber. I mean, I knew, I know I saw a picture of uh, uh, from the set where he was kind of towering over everybody, Stephen Merchant. Uh, but he's been a podcast. I mean, that, that's one of the reasons I got into podcasting was uh, Ricky Gervais, Carol Pilsington, Stephen Merchant. I r- drove uh, across the uh, northwest uh, to listen to that podcast in like, uh, it was like 2006, uh, 2007. It paid for the one of the seasons of the podcast or maybe another one. Uh, let's see, what else do we need to know? Uh, I don't know, just a shout out, uh, according to Wikipedia, he lives in a home once owned by Ellen, Ellen, uh, so Ellen DeGeneres, of course, uh, yeah, he's a six foot seven, uh, so he's pretty tall, uh, well, uh, graceful grasshopper, Russell Brand calls him, uh, uh, he prefers to talk about his similarities to Peter Crouch, uh, who's also six seven. And, yeah, I think that's it. Uh, yeah, I guess that's a little bit about Stephen Merchant, and beloved. Uh, and speaking of beloved uh, people, let's talk about uh, uh, believing in Cher. And just a little bit about Cher. Uh, commonly referred to by the media, according to Wikipedia, as the goddess of pop, uh, uh, she gained popularity in 1965 uh, with uh, as, uh, half of Sonny and Cher when their song I Got You Babe hit number one on the British and American charts. Uh, within two years, they sold 40 million records. Uh, and according to Time, they were it, the it couple of rock. Uh, uh, Cher also started her uh, solo career. Uh, and, uh, you know, then they had the, in the seventies, the Sonny and Cher comedy hour watched by over 30 million weekly viewers during its 30 year, three year run. Uh, and this was just a start. Uh, she was a trendsetter. Uh, she was working on, uh, uh, TV disco. Uh, she did one of the, fir- like an early concert residency in Las Vegas in 80 to 82. Uh, in 82, she also hit Broadway. Uh, then she started hitting motion pictures, uh, Silkwood Mask, Moonstruck. Uh, and she got the Academy Award for her performance in Moonstruck. Uh, she was also releasing albums during that time. Cher, Heart of Stone, Love Hurts. And, you know, there's some real, like, that's a, if I could turn back time, I, I don't know if I would because, like, uh, it was then I would be before Believe came out, which is a song that made me think of Cher. Or that, well, it was pioneering use of audio tune, also known as the Cher effect. Uh, 
She continued touring, did another uh, three-year residency in Las Vegas, uh, returned to film, um, and uh, continues to be relevant and active in in supporting people. so that's just a little bit about Cher. Let's, this is a song you've never done in karaoke because I, I can't quite get down the lyrics, but this would be one of my karaoke songs, uh, Believe by Cher. Yeah, it says, you say, after love, after love, after love, after love, no matter how hard I try, you keep pushing me aside and I can't break through. There's no talking to you. It's so sad you're leaving. It takes time to believe it, but after all is said and done, you're going to be the lonely one. Do you believe in life after love? I can feel something inside me say, I really don't think you're strong enough. No. Do you believe in life after love? I can feel something inside me say, I really don't think you're strong enough. No. Uh, what am I supposed to do? Sit around and wait for you? Well, I can't do that. Do <laughs> Do that. There's no turning back. Uh, I need to move on. I need love to feel strong. Because I've had time to think it through. And maybe I'm too good for you. Uh, do you believe in life after love? I can feel something inside me say. I really don't think you're strong enough. No. Well, I know I'm going to get through this. Because uh, I know that I am strong. I don't need you anymore. Oh, I don't need you anymore. Yeah, do you believe in life after love? I think we do. I, you know, we do. Uh, and thanks to Cher. Uh, what about pneumatic tubes? The, uh, the, the pneumatic tubes are, uh, or capsule pipes and pipelines, also known as pneumatic tube transports, are systems that propel cylindrical containers through networks of tubes by compressed air or partial vacuum. Uh, they're used for transporting solid objects as opposed to conventional pipelines, which transport fluids. I've always found this fascinating. Uh, uh, pneumatic tube tr- tr- networks gained acceptance in the late 19th and early 20th century for offices that needed to transport small urgent packages over relatively short distances, like within a building or at most within a city. Uh, some installations grew to great complexity, but most were superseded. Uh, but in some places, like uh, they still get used, uh, like hospitals, uh, and they've been extended and developed. The uh, only time I've got used one that I know about is uh, at banks. A small number of pneumatic systems were built for larger cargo, uh, and, and that's what I think Muskie might be working on is something similar to that. Uh, pneumatic tra- capsule transport was invented by William Murdoch. Uh, it was considered a novelty until the invention of the ca- capsule in 1836. Uh, the Victorians used them to transmit telegrams from uh, to buildings from telegraph stations. Uh, Joseph Josiah Latimer Clark, 1854, had a patent for conveying letters or parcels between places by pressure of air and vacuum. And put one in the uh, stock, London Stock Exchange and the Electric Telegraph Company, uh, Pneumatic Dispatch. Uh, they were also used for small parcels and documents in cash carriers at uh, b- banks and supermarkets. 
they're still in use, but on a smaller scale. Uh, while it's used for communicating information has been superseded, uh, they're still getting used to uh, transport small objects. Like before ATMs drive up banks used it uh, uh, so they could have more than one lane. It was the only place that used it. Some factories use them to deliver parts across large campuses. Uh, larger stores use them to still move uh, excess cash. Nationals, NASA, NASA's uh, Mission Control Center had pneumatic tubes uh, connecting consoles with staff support rooms. Uh, Denver International Airport has a new, has many uh, pneumatic tube systems. Uh, oh, wow. Uh, even one for uh, ticketing and parking park parking toll collection. Uh, they've been used in science to transport samples. Uh, in McDonald's, it closed in 2011, and Minnesota had the world's only pneumatic drive-through. Now, that would be cool. Uh, new, there is new interest in it. Uh, so the Postal Service used it. I don't want to see like, what cities used it. Because uh, they think some of it's hard to tell, like the difference between fiction and fantasy, you know. Uh, let's see. Uh, well, we've got, uh, yeah, there were some of them. And they experimented with railways and stuff like that. Uh, technical characteristics. Oh, yeah, in fiction, Jules Verne, Jules Verne had it. Uh, uh, Marcel Proust, uh, George Orwell. Uh, Doc, Doc Savage magazine, uh, Genesis 2, uh, yeah, so here, let's see, a lot of it in, oh, there's even, I haven't seen the whole Polar Express, so I'll have to watch that, because I guess there's one in there. Uh, so all really, uh, interesting stuff, I, I mean, I guess I fantasize about, uh, like, cool stuff like that, or traveling by it. Now that would be really exciting to be like uh, to be able to go on that. Uh, okay, what about a uh, CE Common Era, uh, BCE? I forgot what you, I wrote down. Oh, we'll we'll get to it. Oh no no, when Oog and Grug exchanged rocks, uh, that was in BCE, uh, which is a notation system for the world's most widely used calendar era. It, it uh, CE, BC, BCE, and CE are alternatives to the Dionysus and AD and BC system, uh, since those are, uh, the, but they're numerically equivalent. Uh, 2018 CE corresponds to 2018 AD and 400 BC to 400 BCE. Um, let's see. Uh, it's been traced back to 1615 uh, when uh, Johannes Kepler uh, uh, used it. Uh, let's see. Origins. Uh, I think we talked about that. There's also other ways to describe common, which in Latin. Uh, contemporary use. Some academics in theology, education, and history have adopted CE and BCE. So there's still some disagreement, uh, but major museums are, are starting to use it. Uh, use in te textbook, uh, TV shows, uh, World Almanac switched over in 2007. 
uh, England and Wales uh, introduced it in 2002 to their school curriculum. Uh, in the U.S., you know, we still kind of say, like, uh, I don't know, if you, you know, so it get, get, gets used. Uh, there's nothing super uh, tangential in there. What about electronic kits? So there's like a kit computer. So I looked that up. Uh, this isn't it's like electronic kit was like a computer you would order and build. Just like when we talked about TVs. Uh, oh, that's on a Doctor Who episode. But like uh, you could order a TV kit back in the day, I think. Uh, so it came with components. Uh, and uh, that, like uh, you would put together uh, construction of a single device. uh uh, and like uh, some soldering, uh, some examples. The Altar eighty eighty eight eighty, the first home computer was sold as a kit. Uh, so were other computers. Uh, but just, I just thought because some of these computers back when you build them, they would have a wooden uh, thing. But nothing super interesting. What about I Dream of Genie? I think Genie uh, was the one who she she would she would buy a her head. I'm trying to think if Eleanor Janet nodded her head or winked her nose. Yeah, but I Dream of Genie was an American fantasy sitcom starring Barbara Eden as a 2,000-year-old genie and Larry Hagman as an astronaut uh, who eventually becomes her husband. It aired from uh, 1965 to 1970. Oh, wow, I would have put it earlier than that. Uh, it ran for five seasons and 139 episodes. Uh, in the pilot, uh, Captain Tony Nelson's on a space flight when uh, Stardust One comes down in a deserted island. He finds a strange bottle. He rubs it, and uh, he uh, out becomes a genie. Uh, uh, they can't understand each other until he says that he wishes she could speak to him. Oh, on his instructions, then per her instructions, she blinks. So he wants to get rescued. And uh, so she blinks, and a rescue copter goes up. Uh, very patriarchal show, I think. Uh, uh, but I, I, I didn't really watch much of it. Uh, uh, background: It was created by Sidney Sheldon in response to the success of the. Oh, so it was a response to Bewitched. Uh, uh, it was also inspired by uh, the movie uh, Brass Bottle which had starred Tony Randall, Barbara Eden, and Burl Ives. Uh, uh, they were both Screen Gem productions. Uh, and the casting, they couldn't find a suitable person. Uh, according like to a book on it, uh, they wanted to film season one in color, but NBC didn't want to pay for it because uh, they didn't think it would last. Uh, uh, Sheldon offered the, to pay the extra $400 an episode needed for color at the beginning of the uh, series. Uh, but the executive said, don't throw away your money. Oh, it has an opening narrated by Paul Fries, uh that mentions uh, the first few episodes did. Uh, an expository, non-animated. Oh, so the opening sequence is originally non-animated expository opening narrated by Paul Fries. Uh, which mentions that Nelson lives in a mythical town named Cocoa Beach in a mythical state called Florida. It, then they had a famous kind of animated sequence uh, that got redone. 
Yeah, when the show switched from black and white to color, uh, I kind of remember that. Uh, and it was done by Fr- Fritz Freeling. Uh, so, yeah, a little bit of it. Uh, oh, I think the music, I, I get all those music so- songs mixed up. But uh, So, yeah, better not comment on the music. Uh, oh, but it has been sampled by DJs. Uh, uh, what about the year 1497? That was the last year someone made it to the good place. Uh, uh, so let's see. There was the bonfires, the vanities in Flo- Florence, Cornish uh, Rebellion, Marigo Vespucci uh, set out on a voyage. Uh, Pope Alexander uh, did some stuff. Uh, John Cabot set sail from Bristol on the ship Matthew uh, heading west. Uh, Catholic monarchs uh, issued an ordinance uh, about uh, creating a system based on copper. It was used in almost all, it would be used in all parts of the Americas and uh, a basis for modern currencies, including the dollar. Uh, let's see, I'm just trying to, John Cabot uh, landed in uh, Newfoundland. Uh, Vasco da Gama headed out uh, from Libsyn. Another Cornish uprising. Uh, John, the King of Denmark, uh, won some stuff. Uh, it was a seven-year peace between England and Scotland. Uh, let's see. I'm just trying to just see if anybody uh, looks like they could have made it. Ivan the Great was around, but he was still rolling. Uh, Burst. Let's see who. Uh, let's see who was born. Just. Uh, I'm not recognizing any of these. Ernst, Ernest, Holland, Francis of Denmark. Okay, here's some people who passed away. I was just trying to see anyone's name. Uh, a German banker, Barbara Fugger, uh, July 23rd. Uh, Philip II, the Duke of Savoy. Uh, James Touche. So I don't know. I don't, I'm not recognizing any of these. Uh, Anyone that I'd say it was a definite lock. So it could have been a regular person. Uh, but yeah, it's just a little bit about uh, that year, 1497. Uh, a little bit about David Hume. Uh was a Scottish Enlightenment philosopher uh, known for his highly influential system of uh, empiricism, skepticism, and naturalism. It uh, places him with uh, John Locke, uh, George Berkeley, Francis Bacon, and Thomas Hobbes. Uh, he wrote a Treaty of Human Nature in 1739, and he wanted to create a total naturalistic science of humans uh, that expanded the psychological basis, examined the psychological basis of human nature. Uh, against rationalists, uh, Hume held that passion rather than reason governs human behavior. Uh, Hume argued against the existence of innate ideas, positing that uh, all human knowledge is founded in experience. And he, Hume thus held that genuine knowledge must be traceable to objects perceived in existence or result from abstract reasoning about relations between ideas derived from experience. Calling the rest nothing but sophistry and illusion, uh, a dichotomy later given in the name Hume's Fork, uh, and what is sometimes referred to, referred to as Hume's problem of induction, he argued that inductive reasoning and belief in causality cannot be justified rationally, 
Instead, our trust in causality and deduction result from custom and mental habit. Uh, a lot of things. Uh, opposition to the theological argument for God's existence. Uh, he's a sentimentalist who held that ethics are based on emotion or sentiment rather than abstract moral principle. Uh, virtue ethics. Uh, uh, Hume concurred regarding traits of character rather than acts and their consequences. So there's a lot, a lot more about David Hume, but I just wanted to give a little bit of due. And what about the song Had to Be You? Because Janice says it has to be you, Michael. Uh, uh, it's a popular song written by uh, Isham Jones with lyrics by Gus Kahn. It was first published in 1924. Uh, it was performed by Ruth Edding in the 1936 short film Melody in May, uh, by Priscilla Lane in the 1939 Roaring Twenties film by Ginger Rogers and uh, Cornell Wilde. In the 47 film, It Had to Be You, uh, uh, by Danny Thomas. Uh, I'll See You in My Dreams, uh, by Joanne Drew. So it's been a lot of movies. Uh, it was the theme of Harry Met Sally, uh, which finished in number 60 of AFI, AFI's 100 Years, 100 Songs, Top Tunes in American Cinema. And a lot of notable recordings. Let's see the most recent ones. Uh, Dean Martin, 1962. Tony Bennett, 1964. Barbara Streisand, 1966. Color Me, Color Me Barbara. Uh, Diane Keaton. Uh, Harry Connick Jr. For, that was in Harry Met Sally. Rod Stewart. Uh, Kenny G. Uh, Tony Bennett and Carrie Underwood. Elvis Costello and Vince Giordano and Michael Bublé and Barbara Streisand. Holy cow. Uh, 2014 album Partners. So uh, it's a little bit about It Had to Be You. And what about, let's close on altruism, because uh, that came up in this episode. Uh, won't get you in the good place, though. Principle and moral practice of concern uh, for happiness of, for other human beings and or animals resulting in quality of life, both material and spiritual. It is a traditional virtue in many cultures and a core aspect of various religious traditions and secular worldviews. Through the concept of others towards whom concern must should be directed, must be, must be, sure should be directed, uh, and can vary among cultures and religions. Uh, you've got uh, uh, Dharma, uh, let's see. It's the opposite of self selflessness or versus selfishness. Self selfishness. Uh, it was coined by French philosopher Auguste Comte uh, for an antonym of egoism. Uh, altruism and biological observations in the field populations of day organisms in, is an individual performing an action. Which is at no cost to themselves, which is at cost to themselves, uh, but benefits either directly or indirectly another third party individual without the expectation of reciprocity or compensation. So it would be a non karmic action. Uh, yeah, it's like doing surprises for people without, without them ever knowing. I think that's altruistic, I guess, but that has, a, or does, uh, 
Oh, it says an actor may per- receive an intrinsic reward in the form of personal gratification. The validity of this argument depends on whether intrinsic rewards qualify as benefits. Uh, oh, because it's like, are you being altruistic or loyal? Uh, true, al- I can't believe people say, are you true altru- are you truly altruism? True altruism. Uh, there's a longer article in here. Uh, but yeah, that's it. Uh, thanks. It's a good place. And thanks to you for listening. Good night. I want to thank uh, almost everybody for review this week uh, over on Apple Podcasts. Uh, you could do it on your phone or in on your desktop on iTunes. Also, if you've already done it, you could go through and yes or no reviews to say, are they relevant uh, to the podcast, which is also a huge help, especially on new reviews, because right now all of the older reviews are the ones that have gotten voted more relevant. Uh, so if you have a second, it's a huge uh, way to help uh, new people find the show with more recent reviews. Uh, but I want to thank uh, Light Pam, who said, Sweet sleep. I've struggled with insomnia for years. Thanks for allowing me to sleep. Uh, best sleep I've had in years. Love it. Uh, and then uh, Sam Goody said, uh, Not enjoyable. Uh, they hate to be rude, but they will be. So, so we'll move on from that. Uh, uh, Hermex says, What a gift. Uh, boring really doesn't explain it. Uh, uh, why it's so good at putting me to sleep it's, it isn't dull it's engaging in a special way oh thank you it's the feeling of staring off at nothing while a familiar comforting voice tells a story he's not bambling oh, b- bambling that might be a new word I accidentally rambles and bambles uh, he's meandering through thoughts uh, somehow quieting my mental chapter, chatter uh, bambling, uh, loose focus. That was my mistake, not uh, Hermex's. Uh, meandering through thoughts, uh, somehow quieting my mental chapter. Loose focus, drop back in, follow along, wander off. And at some point, I get lulled into sleep. No pressure to fall asleep. I love that part uh, in the space, safe space. Uh, not a new, not new agey. Uh, uh, to Queen of Nerds, says, uh, haven't made it to the um, bedtime story. Uh, I house it frequently, difficult to sleep comfortably in unfamiliar locations. This podcast has helped immensely. Uh, to be honest, I haven't even made it to the bedtime stories because I'm falling asleep during the intro. Uh, I was su- super skeptical in the beginning, but the meandering is really so helpful once you accept the fact they're not supposed to make sense. It replaces the otherwise anxious thoughts. Uh, Miss uh, R to the A it says, uh, Scoots rocks, uh, amazing, makes me chuckle even when I'm on the verge of REM. Uh, Miss C says thank you. Uh, don't know why this works, but it does. Uh, I try not to use it every night because uh, I'm afraid of uh, pavloving myself. Uh, usually get about one way, way, one third of the way through. Thanks for helping me sleep. Uh, uh, another review is from 5214N13 from Australia. Yet another five-star review. I've relied on Scoots for six months, uh, Insomniac for ten years. Learn the routine is key to sleep patterns. And Scoots has helped cement that routine for me. Took a few listens, but the rusty dulcet tones uh, help uh, create my routine no matter what life throws at me. Thank you. Uh, Trish says magic. Generally can't fall asleep to podcasts because you get too involved. Uh, but it took the set. On the second try, I was hooked. Uh, page 20, uh, page uh, 
It would pay 20 minutes of, well, it would place 20 minutes of the same videos on YouTube and sometimes, but with this podcast, I'm sleeping five minutes. Uh, Snoop Fogg says, best podcast ever. Uh, this is a great, uh, quirky at first, we give it a chance. I've had years of insomnia. Uh, this is my go-to. And M. Schoen says, uh, works for me. I found this podcast after months of waking up, uh, now I'm able to get back to sleep, uh, now I play an episode and it quiets my mind. Uh, Kat says, thank you. Uh, they listen every night. And Mary Mary says, it works. Uh, so thank you. Thanks, everybody, for reviewing the show. That's a huge way to help the show. Sleeping Me grows uh, by listeners just spreading their word, their honest experience with the podcast in their own community, whether it's online or, or in person. Or people comment on sleep articles or, you know, comment on social media stuff. So that's how we grow the show. So thank you. We exist as a free podcast and as a podcast at all because of listener supports. Uh, so it's listeners just like you or you, and maybe you're listening, uh, who support the show on Patreon or directly support our sponsors. Those are the two ways we keep the show going. Also, people that buy merch, thank you so much. Uh, Sleeping Me is a proud member of Night Vale Presents. You can check out all the amazing shows they're doing. At nightvalepresents.com. And remember PRX. You can see everything they're doing at prx.org. And I believe that is it. Uh, plenty more episodes here to go if you need them. Uh, good night. All right, everybody. It's time to talk about The Good Place. Welcome back from our little uh, Good Place break. Uh, season break, I guess you could say. mid I think they call it a mid-season. Three-quarter season break. Uh, uh, so this is episode 11, season 3, The Book of Dogs. Uh, you could tell me, tell me, tell me who wrote The Book of Dogs. Uh, uh, let's see what my handwriting says. Holy forking shirt balls, uh, something I can't say, power proven lay, squeezle, quizzle. Uh, Eleanor definitely is the one who says, oh, previously. Then Eleanor says, holy for <laughs> forking shirt balls. Oh, it was quick. My note says quick. It was a quick previously. It goes right into the episode. There's smiles. Uh, Tahani says very carpeted, wall-to-wall -wall carpeting they had. Uh, Jason mentions go-karts uh, being driven by monkeys. So go-karts being driven by monkeys in sunglasses and Hawaiian shirts. Uh, that's what Jason expects in the good place. Uh Michael tells everybody to take a deep breath. And uh, Eleanor says, it smells like Typhoon Falls here. And he says, yeah, it smells like whatever uh, whatever makes you happy. I think it was whatever smells make you make you happy or something. And Chidi says, oh, wait, it smells like warm pretzels. No, uh, like absolute moral truth. Uh, some, uh, similar smells, Janice says. Uh, Blake Bortles holding Super Bowl trophy, talking to Dan Patrick. Uh, I owe it all to my best friend, Jason Mendoza. Also weed, he says. Uh, and, of course, Tahani says, it smells like the closing of the curtain between first class and economy. She uses economy. Uh, you think that's what everybody uses now, because you say they have economy... And then they, you, you realize you like see. Well, well, now when you buy a ticket to an airplane, it actually wobbles. Like you say, well, is it a negatively charged ion or a positively charged one? 
You say, oh, no, no, you get the ticket to, for regular people? No, no, that's economy negative. Economy less. Uh, economy light. That's what they could use. They say, yeah, it's economy light. Uh, also, pay. you're going to have to pay me in economy plus tickets if you want to use economy light or coach lights. I like that. I think that's that would I'd feel less than that than saying, well, if it's not plus, I just got like because uh, they say no, 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 you don't have economy either. There's economy plus, there's economy, and then there's economy within the realm of non-business travelers, uh, by, like by paying their own tickets. And I say, okay, anyway, got to get back to this episode. Uh, uh, mail depot, mail. Then I said, mail from heaven. This is interesting to me. I don't really have time to look into it, but uh, a lot of correspondence going on in the good place, which I guess it would make sense. They would send each other a lot of notes. Uh, Janet, no follow on it and keep a low profile. Oh, Janet makes it so no one could follow them. They say we got to keep a low profile. It opens chapter 37. Cover story. You're a neutral Janet. This is Michael. You, the rest of you won a contest. Uh, really? Really? Uh, then there's a funny, uh, this is, uh, is a really mature episode. They say, uh, they make jokes. They say, because they say, well, we could do, pretend we're refugees from the bad place. That's the truth, actually. We don't need to pretend. And Jason says, what kind of messed up place would turn away refugees? And Michael says, well, they never break the rules here. And then we see our fa- my favorite. You know, you want to talk about the book and Nicole's. I got a lot of favorite Nicole's out there, including some listeners to the podcast. Uh, uh, but one of my favorite Nicole's, I actually spent the holiday watching her with my daughter, Nicole Byer. Uh, and she says, "What?" I mean, it really lights up the screen. And she says, what the heck is going on in there? And she goes, are those the sweet tones? Oh, no, I said that. Are those sweet tones of Nicole Byer? She didn't say that. Uh, then I put un, uni, uni, uniform, maybe? Lots of lies, unfortunately. Uh, Jason's crushing the jokes, as usual. I think her name's Gwendolyn. It is Gwendolyn. Uh, Jeez Louise, she says, but you're in the Postal Service. Uh, winged horse or a Pegasus uh, on um, patch for the Good Place Postal Services. They also have a sidearm patch with three stars and then a bar and then th- two stars. Uh, neutral Janet, she says, end of statement. Won a contest. They say, why are they here? They put actually one... Uh, C-O-F-S. That must be Drew's shorthand for contest. Uh, corner place, uh, curtain, fan paper, rod speed like a hat. Uh, let's see if I can just 500 trillion miles north, south, north of here. That's where the main office is. A door to goods, uh, ward contest, McGuire. Let's see what this is. Corner space, a fun paper. What does that say? Fan paper. Rot sped like a hat. Uh, this is really like a, sometimes I wonder if, uh, like, a, maybe I could try communicating with uh, AI because this is the kind of stuff when you say, hey, can you translate what I'm saying? I honestly don't know any of this. says corner space, curtain, fan, fun paper, rot uh, sped like a hat. 
I mean, I'm watching uh, Gwendolyn and Michael talk at five minutes in the episode or so. Chidi and uh, Eleanor have a long convo, so maybe it was about that. Uh, I don't know, 500 trillion miles, because he's like, I want to meet with the uh, council. Maybe that's it, correspondence council? Uh, let's move on. Newest to, to contest, McGuire. A weird contest magazine. That was good. I liked that. Yeah, the place they're, they're in, it's a house, though, and it looks like the kind of house you'd go to on an old homes tour or like a bed and breakfast uh, where you'd say, okay, this probably doesn't have a hot tub, but it might have, I don't know. I never, like a an older, uh, like maybe 1800 style house. I don't know what, what kind of, like stylistically, kind of stylistically I wouldn't be comfortable in. Or, what does that say? Or swearing Eleanor wants out for sure. This was a claim I didn't have time to investigate. That four Oreos are two inches thick. Uh, oh, two inches thick. Yeah, that would be probably correct. Uh, I was saying, I guess I was picturing one inch. Uh, so that means one Oreo is a half inch. Totally makes sense. I'm sorry, Eleanor, for ever even doubting that. That's definitely correct. Uh, this was a great quote. Four Oreos away from heaven. I'm here with you, deep breath. Uh, that's what Cheedy says. Uh, Michael kind of plays Gwendolyn. I don't know if I was comfortable with that. Uh, he's in his blue and lavender. You know, he's in the uh, the bad place Michael outfit, oddly enough. Uh, Gwendolyn says, what a fun thought experiment. Uh, a correspondence center. That's what my notes earlier must have been that I couldn't read. Michael may, still uses the phone without permission. Says, "I'm going to meet me at the." T-. He calls the council. Says, "Meet me at the top floor correspondence center." Uh, Tahani had a great, some great comedic moments too. She says, "Jason, you look, you seem thoughtful." There's a little bit of a subtle physical humor, and she leans in, uh, and then he says, "Yeah, I kind of sort of read the giant's diary. That's how it feels. It's an awkward moment." Uh, and then he kind of talks to Janet about it. He says, I was looking for rollerblades. Uh, and she says, neutral Janets don't have feelings. End of conversation. And she has to say that more than once. Uh, Michael facing self-talk. Oh, so Michael's kind of trying to do some positive self-talk. Uh, and then the five-sided thing, like an igloo-like thing, comes in. And I looked it up. I think it's, I'll have the correct name of it when I do the research part. But it was like a five-sided cube. I think that's a tetrahedron or something. Uh, but it's, I think it has one other. Penta, penta, I don't know. Yeah, it's a penta, tetrahedron or something. Uh, but it has thumbs-ups on it. Uh, and then if it couldn't get more, one more thing, uh, Paul Shear appears. Well, I hope I don't forget to talk about Paul Shear and Venn diagrams because I didn't write that down. Michael was holding the book of Doug's. I didn't do my Paul Shear research, but it, most of this is just, impre- I think I've talked about it on the podcast before. Yeah, let me get through the episode. I'll try to cross my fingers here. Uh, thank you, uh, they say, super nice, uh, something, everyone focus up, I liked that, uh, uh, fresh, pe- we need some fresh peaches, uh, 
They say, well, pool lots are in season. Okay, give them, get a bunch of them, as many as we can handle. That's the whole council. There's uh, six people on the council. Uh, Jimmy. Oh, then we go to Eleanor, who's trying to Jimmy the lock. Uh, the only thing that happened, I can't get the lock undone. Oh, because I, I missed this. There's a door uh, straight to the good place, but humans can't open it. Uh, they have to go through that door. There's 500 trillion miles to the main entrance, north, uh, south, north of there. Uh, Chidi proposes, I just noticed not to quibble, but Paul Shear does not have a fleece vest on. He has a down vest on. He does have a DAD jeans on. This is, but this is a character, not a real Paul Shear. Uh, then, uh, Chidi says, what do we have our first date, uh, Four Oreos away from paradise. That's another. I guess that was the second time that was stated in a different way. Uh, Michael Pronk. Oh, he makes a presentation to the council. Uh, and at first, really, this episode is so mature. I'm not even kidding you. It really shows the depth of the good place uh, as a production. Uh, he says the only explanation is a bad place rigged to the system. Uh, someone probably cool harmed remed about tower types. Oh, uh, no, he says, uh, they say, oh, people at a good place are awful. And he goes, no, some of them are probably cool, handsome, man about town types. Uh, then they say, we're going to talk. And they say, Kellen you, is going to shower you with uh, compliments. Uh, says, you got some great gravitas going, Michael. Then we go down and everybody's sorting mail. Uh, and Gwendolyn says, how did, you two, how did you two meet? She meets Tahani and Jason, since they're married ostensibly. And again, the advanced level of Jason's jokes. Uh, he says, we met in brain school. And we we got married because nothing mattered. Uh, he delivered it. But he actually delivered the lines. Uh are all humans as attractive as you two? Uh, Tiny goes, you know, no, no, definitely not. Uh, uh, Janet, you know, this is not easy. So Janet Tiny talks. She goes, you know, I'm not sure where my, these are new emotions for me. I don't want them coming out my butt. Uh, then we're back at First Date Central where they're using flashlights as a candle. Or, uh, cheated it does. Uh, then Eleanor has a champagne bottle, which is Gwendolyn's, and the note was said, Dear Gwendolyn, uh, here's some champagne for thanking me, for thanking you, for thanking me, for thanking you, for thanking me, uh, for giving you champagne. And then Jason, or then Chidi's not on screen, and he goes, Okay, and I got one more surprise for you. And uh, let's see. I think... Uh, what does Eleanor say? Holy forking fork. Uh, I think that's what she said. Chidi's a sexy mailman. At first, I thought Chidi had just had no shirt on. Because I, I, when the first time I saw him without a shirt, I said, holy fork. And actually, I said, holy friggin' forking Chidi's chest. Uh, uh, and yeah, shirtless Chidi. That's when I determined it was shirtless Chidi. But uh, this time, he's clothes. He has shorts on. You know, show off his calves and stuff. Uh, and his arms are showing because he has short sleeves. He's dressed as a sexy mailman. Eleanor is a little uh, S.A.D., you know, because of the situationally. 
then um, council says, we're going to take decisive action. We're going to form a team to look into it. So more than, we won't take more than 400 years to select uh, team members. Uh, the term nowish is used. Uh, there's a great podcast called Soonish uh, that you should check out. Uh, my, my, someone I know named Wade uh, makes it. He's a really great guy, too. Uh, we're the good, well, they say we're the good guys. We can't just uh, do stuff. Because uh, Michael says we got to do it soonish uh, or nowish. Uh, and then they talk about a memorandum. Then Kellen says, here, here. Uh, and then they say, Kellen, did you file a here, here memorandum? And he goes, no, I, I, I rescind my here, here and resign effective immediately. Uh, this is so good. Then uh, we're back uh, in the mailroom. I didn't realize how well they did this uh, close location thing. So, I mean, they used different rooms. Uh, so it probably wasn't easy to shoot. But uh, uh, how much it like went on in, in just uh, inside this one uh, mail depot? Uh, we have uh, Tahani... Uh, Jason and Janet and uh, Johnny says, here's a uh, big farm d- did us part. Uh, so we're no longer ma- fake married. Uh, then Tahani uses his term vexed, which I love. No, vexed though. I didn't say vexed. Uh, we got a fa- we got vexed. We got dasa vexed. Uh, never mind misfire. Uh, tears taste like nacho cheese. I don't know if those are Janet's tears or Tahani's tears. No, those are uh, Eleanor's tears. A lot of tears, but no fears. Uh, This was all mostly positive crying. Uh, What it it is, nay, don't worry. Oh, what if we don't worry, uh, Chidi says uh, to um, Eleanor. There is only one time that matters, uh, that is important now. It's a Tolstoy quote that Eleanor recognizes from, uh, like, it wasn't a Rihanna, uh, like, uh, Instagram, but something, I don't know. And she says, I got to quote one more person that Scoots loves to quote, too. You got to try. Eleanor Shellstrap, uh, 2018. And then it's hilarious. Eleanor says, you know what? I got to try. And she puts her eyebrows up. Uh, and it's really funny. A lot of back and forth uh, uh, time. Eyebrow, it was eyebrow up time. If you're catching my eyebrows going up. Uh, oh, also in the meeting room with Michael and the council, there was lots of rugs in there. Uh, they had returned. Michael called them dorks and fleece vests. Uh, I guess he, did, he probably meant it metaphorically, though. And he talks about the bad place. He's going to, you know, Tahani says, you know, I got some other unrelated stuff. Uh, Mike goes, this isn't a good time. Uh, uh, unrelated question. There's a great face on that uh, that, that moment. Uh, uh, then he says, she, she says, well, then Michael says, he kind of loses his stack. And then she says, Michael, I need some help. He says, she goes, how do you make Jason happy? And she, he, he goes, you give him a lollipop shaped like a transformer. And uh, then uh, Tahani kind of talks about, Jesus, it had these unintended consequences to well-intentioned actions. 
And that's when the light bulb goes off over Michael's head because he goes, light bulb going off over my head. We got the whole, it's not just one Doug. We got this whole book of Dougs. So then he opens up the Douglas Weingar. And it's a DXX, like some symbols, 89 or something. Uh, these are some of my notes, though. Uh, 12 roses. He gives 12 roses to his grandmother as a birthday gift. It's talking about his points totals. Uh, final, my handwriting, final Alfredal paint test. Uh, it's, it's, uh, he gets plus 145. Oh, final attributed point total. Uh, plus 145.11918 uh, points. Uh, then it breaks it down. Like, what are the positive impacts? A gift thoughtful, well-intentioned, plus 44.191. Gift received well, plus 31.046. Roses gathered personally, 31.487. Uh, rose, roses uh, transported with minimal environmental impact, plus 27.003. Roses uh, located on private land or public, yeah, probably private land plus ten point six six three. Top relevant point subtractions uh, result decrease uh, to natural beauty of surrounding area negative point three one three. Slight negative impact on local bees negative three point something. Uh, I think I'm, I'm watching it right now. This is the other. This is the other one. We'll get to Douglas Ewing here. Uh, also, I would say that this Douglas Weingart was born in fifteen. Or this happened in fifteen thirty-seven in Hawkehurst, England. Uh, then we bounce over to Douglas Ewing from Skaggsville, Maryland. Fourteenth uh, of July, two thousand nine. It was at eighteen twenty-two oh two local time, and it's the same thing. His case number is like D. Yeah, a couple of numbers dash ninety four. He also has like a identifying fire number. I don't want to give it out though, you know, just in case. Uh, I don't want you spoofing Douglas Ewing's, uh, you know, good place passport. Uh, but here we go. He uh, gave twelve roses to his grandmother's birthday gift, but his final attrib- attrib- attributed point totals negative four point zero three three six eight. And you might say, Scoots, gosh, goodness, why? And I'd say, well, I'll tell you why, actually. The, if, uh, the original, the positive additions were the gift was thoughtful and well-intentioned, point, plus 41.189. And the gift was well-received, uh, received well, grandmother was happy, uh, plus uh, 31.846. So right up to around 73 points, but then it starts to plummet uh, because of the negative impacts uh, in really the summary of the episode. Uh, roses were purchased with smartphone, environmental impact, wages, labor, trade, which you can see on appendix N42 sub point W91 uh, for related smartphone issues. It's negative 62.487. Uh, roses are artificially grown, you know, growing environment, pesticides. Uh, you can also see a uh, prior report on flora fauna, cited uh, sub. Uh, also see work of accounts, uh, Gary, Lisa, and others uh, regarding soil degradation, Western Hemisphere, free trade of decorative flowers. That's negative 45.008 points. 
workforce where the roses came from. That's negative 33.073. Really, uh, uh, you know, there's a... It clues a 0.009 deduction for 1.5% of the total costs used to pay uh, even, you know, there's just like a really uh, uh, transportation impact was 12.285. Uh, the celebrity uh, or the store where he bought them, that person was uh, not, not great. Let's see. Well, let me see what the little details are. Uh, yeah, Fenderbrecks of Flowers. Uh, the guy's just not uh, Derek Fenderbreck. Yeah, man, Derek's do not do well on this show. Um, yeah, so that was just a, that was a, like a little in depth look at the Michael's charts. Uh, Michael's excited. He says, This is not the bad place. Uh, that every day the world gets a little more complicated and being a good person gets a little bit harder. Because all these impacts we have, this is just a truth uh, that cog- we really use cognitive dissonance to get around, or at least I do. Uh, get the others. We have a lot to do. And then Tony says, but you didn't really deal with my thing, which I think is even an extra, you know, little bonus on the joke. Uh, but then she gives a wonderful apology to Janet. In summary, she says, I'm sorry, and I love you both very much, uh, Janet cries, Tahani cries, uh, also something. Oh, also she's, Tahani's crying about the carpeting. Uh, Jason cries uh, to be a part of things, uh, like Stan. What does that mean? Like something. Oh, like Stan, like he, he, he does have a bit of a Laurel and Hardy in him. Like Stanny, uh, he cries a bit like Stan in a good way. Uh, rose it up, uh. What is it? it? Rose it up. That's what it says. Uh, there's something. I have uh, turn into Jade Doorman. Oh, the ruse is up. Uh, I think that's what I put. Because uh, uh, Gwendolyn, the truth comes out. Uh, and Gwendolyn says, I got to turn you into the judge. Mike says, I already contacted the judge. Uh, the bo- doorman shows up. He says, Hey, Frogman. The judge will meet you at IHOP. Uh, in something, the good place, huh? Uh, and then he says, oh, this is a good place, huh? It, was, it smells like frogs. Cool, let's go. And they go, I hop. Uh, what, do you, what do you mean, I hop? Uh, isn't that, uh, Jason says, that's tight. And then uh, 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 Michael says, no, it's the International Hole of Pancakes. Not great, uh, but we got to go there to save humanity. And then Chidi still dresses a sexy mailman. He says, uh, do you mind if I go change first? <laughs> you go, they go, no. no. Uh, which you just really added one more button. So I thought, you just thought that was hilarious. And then uh, there's a long wave goodbye from Gwendolyn, which is just really uh, great. So, And that's how the episode comes to a close. Uh, so that was good. So let's just see what came up for me. And this episode, right? Uh, the Book of Ducks. You know, first thing I said is who wrote the book? Who wrote the Book of Love? Uh, but who wrote the book? You know, who who wrote the Book of Love? Literally, uh, the song. Uh, and the Book of Love, also titled "Who Wrote the Book of Love," uh, originally by the Monotones. Uh, 
and it was written by the three members of that group, Warren Davis, George Malone, and Charles Patrick. The lead singer, Charles Patrick, this is from Wikipedia, heard a Pepsodent commercial with the line, wonder where the yellow went. Uh, and that's where the idea, I wonder, wonder, wonder who, who wrote the book of love. Uh, and they started uh, doing it. They also got an idea from a kid kicking a ball in the garage when they were rehearsing. And as far as 50 songs go, that's actually a 50 song I actually like. Uh, and also, oddly enough, Sean and I performed that song at uh, Woodstock. Uh, so that's it's pretty cool, the tie-ins. Okay, wall to wall. Oh, wait, I got to go back. I'll talk about wall to wall carpet, and then I'll talk about Paul, Paul Shear for a little bit. Uh, not fa- facts, just good, good stuff, though. I mean, you don't need facts. Okay, so fitted carpet. Uh, or wall-to-wall carpet, you, you know, everybody's probably experienced it. It kind of is baffling. Uh, it's ubiquitousness uh, because it is so. You say, what in the heck were we thinking? And then you say, well, then you go, well, it's convenient. You know, so you go back and forth on it. Uh, it was intended to cover a floor entirely, uh, used with the use of a power stretcher. I didn't know that, uh uh, fitted carpets were originally woven to the specific area they were covering. Later, they were made in small strips around the time stair carpet became popular. My car, my stairs do have, actually, I have wall wall carpet in my, I didn't realize, I just realized that I'm sitting on wall wall carpet. I mean, I didn't have anything to do with it because I live in an apartment, but, uh, it's kind of, the floors here are concrete, so I couldn't have, it had to have carpet, I guess, uh. Uh, carpets were held in place by individually nailed tacks. I can't believe I just totally got burned by myself. Uh, I was literally thinking, uh, I, I don't know, sometimes we're, as humans, we're so hilarious. Uh, it was the introduction of a tack strip or a smooth edge that simplified the installation of wall-to-wall carpeting, increasing the neatness of the finish at the wall. Uh, because the gripper strips are essentially the same thickness as the underlay, uh, they yield a level edge, whereas tacking used to give it an uneven edge. Uh, and there's three types, so loop, uh, carp, loop pile, cut carpet, and structured carpet. You think I have structured carpet. Very popular in the 60s, uh, thanks to colorful prints. Most carpets uh, took a decorative appearance inside of houses. Uh, one of the most famous carpets was given by Louis XIV to George Washington, and it's in Mount Vernon where you can still see it today. So, uh, yeah, and there's a bit different, there's just a little bit on Wikipedia about that. Okay, so I want to talk about Paul Shear a little bit, who's an actor, and I didn't have time to Google anything. So this is more of a, this is just something I use when I'm talking about why I love podcasting. And I don't think I ever got good at explaining it. Like, I like to talk about Paul Shear is a great example of uh, how Venn diagrams work in podcasting and how uh, podcasting just makes you like people even more. And, and if you like someone or you kind of have a, a a positive disposition to them by consuming, like getting to know them more on podcasts, uh, I guess I really am botching this, but here's here's my history with Paul Shear. So he was like first he came on my radar because he was on uh, like he's he's on a fantasy football show, which of course I can't think of the name of it right now. And I just I would only catch that show occasionally, but he said I like this person, 
And then uh, it came this moment in my life with Paul Shear. I'll never forget it. Uh, one of the great moments for me of just seeing someone shine on TV, like in an improv way. He was on uh, a TV show called The Talking Big Farm Show about when people, it, it's like about a popular TV show where people go to the big farm, but their bodies stay here running around and doing stuff. Uh, it's called The Walking Big Farm. And this shows The Talking Big Farm where they talk about the episodes. Usually they have some celebrities on there. And it's one episode they had Paul on, right? And it's right after the show, so it's pretty close to live to tape. Uh, and they usually have a couch, so they have a guest from the show and then a, like a celebrity guest like Paul or Mr. Shear, I guess. Uh, and he was sitting there in the second seat, uh, anyway, like kind of like a, like just, you know, being funny, being himself, talking about how much he loved the show, talking about the episode. And they went to commercial break. Now, when the people are there, they're, they're mic'd either uh, with lav mics or the boom mics. I, I'm not sure. But they came back from the commercial, and Paul was holding a microphone. It was just strange. Like, it just couldn't help but note. You see, like I said to myself, was he holding a microphone when they before they went to commercial? And instead of ignoring it, they addressed it. And the host, Chris, Chris was like, uh, hey, Paul, uh, you, you know, yeah, we, your mic went out or whatever. So you... And then he did like literally like about four milliseconds of fake stand up. Uh, but it was just, it was just, just such a hilarious, to me, it was a very hilarious moment where he was kind of saying yes. And it was just really good. I don't know if it's on, it's probably somewhere out there. And that went for me. I guess this doesn't have anything to do with, it does have to do with podcasts, kind of. Uh, but it went for me kind of like being aware of Paul Shear, liking him. Uh, to loving it. He said, I love this man now. That one moment, he said, I love this man. If I could embrace him, I would. And then I started to become, I said, wait a second, he's really involved in podcasts. And then I would listen to him on podcasts and like not just uh, the podcast he's on, uh, which is uh, with another good place, uh, with the original Derek from the good place. Uh, How did this get made? Uh, but so, uh, I don't know. I just started listening to him as a guest on podcasts. And, uh, then I realized the show he was on was called the league. And it's always nice to see him in other projects. Like recently or last year, he was in the disasters artist, which was just, he was great in that. And it was just nice to see him. Uh, and so I guess I was already rooting for him with that tiny moment on the, the big farm after show. Uh, so I don't know what my, I guess my point was more. Oh, like, uh, I guess my point is with podcasters, when I try to talk to people about, Jesus, kind of scary making a podcast. You don't know if anybody's going to listen or anything. I think about uh, the world of people that, 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 that do consume stuff, like comedy stuff. Then you think about the world, the Venn diagram of people who know who Paul Shear is. I, I was once just that. That was my, I was within that. A diagram, but I wasn't in the people who find who find who call Paul Shear their beloved. Maybe that's a strong thing, or people that consume Shearers, I think. But that might get mixed up with Harry Shearer. Uh, but that's like another like circle within that thing, and like uh, I moved into that circle. Uh, I think it's like the more you get to know somebody. 
I don't know, never know what my, no wonder this wasn't a speech. It's like, uh, it's the, the, the deeper end of that circle you go, but then you also have to look at the overlap. Like you might say, in my case, I didn't know Jason Manzukas uh, until I crossed over into Shearsville. And then I said, oh, who is this wonderful and hilarious person? And in this case, you say, well, I have Nicole Byer. I have nailed it. Uh, Now a good place. uh, A good place is its own Venn diagram. Hopefully I'll bring it to people into Nicole's projects, uh, which would be cool. So I think that was my point about all that stuff. Uh, okay, let's get on to our notes here. Okay, so where were we? Fitted carpet. Oh, um, oh, let's talk about sports night because Jason Patrick or Dan Patrick came up. Uh, and I watched a couple seasons of West Wing recently, and it really reminded me of the brilliance of Aaron Sorkin's writing. And I said, I remember watching Sports Night, uh, but I have never rewatched it. Uh, so it might be worth checking out. It was an American television series about a fictional sports show called Sports Night, very similar to Sports Center, uh, but mostly on the behind the scenes uh, things, according to Wikipedia, friendship, pitfalls, and ethical issues of people trying to go, do, make a good show with network pressure. It was a half hour uh, comedy drama. It was on ABC for two seasons. It says here 45 episodes. Uh, uh, Robert Guillaume was uh, like the manager. I mean, there you go. That's a reason enough to watch it. It gets better. Felicity Hoffman. Uh, Peter Krause, or Peter Krause, I always forget which one it is. Uh, Josh Charles, uh, who's someone I like, uh, adore too. Uh, Sabrina Lloyd. Joshua Molina from the West Wing. Uh, also, William H. Macy, Brenda Strong were on it, and even the, the late great Penny Marshall. Uh, so, really, like a like a it was just a really funny, well written show and well performed. Uh, uh, so, worth checking out. I don't know, maybe I'll try to catch a couple episodes. Uh, it says although the first season is a sitcom, uh, kind of the second season maybe starts to become something more like the West Wing. And then another shorter-lived series that I watched, uh, Studio 60 on the Sunset Strip. Uh, so definitely, if, if it's in your radar, check it out. Who is Dan Patrick? Well, let's see real quick, according to Wikipedia. American sportscaster, radio personality, and actor from Mason, Ohio. Uh, hosts the Dan Patrick Show on radio, works on uh, uh, Football Night in America, a senior writer for Sports Illustrated, worked at ESPN for 18 years, uh, on the, especially on the Sunday 11 p.m. edition. Uh, uh, yeah, just just in case, because I say some people, uh, Dan Patrick and Keith Olbermann are usually mentioned together as kind of the people who kind of helped uh, uh, Sports Center uh, become maybe what it is today. And that kind of the uh, sports night was kind of a tribute, like, a, I don't know, not a tribute to them, but uh, influenced by them. Okay, what about a pentatetrahedron? That's what I was trying to say earlier, which is a polyhedron with five sides or faces. Uh, uh, one one should know that I'm probably wrong. No, actually, it's not. That's not what I was talking about, though, because uh, it doesn't look anything like it. Uh, 
There is a third topological polyhedral figure with five faces, uh, Hosohedrion. I don't know. I think the, 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 what would it be if it was a, a, a cube made, a dice made of tetra? Like, would it have, maybe it has more than five sides? Because uh, uh, what is a pet, pentahedron? Is either a square pyramid or a triangular prism? Which wasn't on this episode, so I guess I was wrong there, but that's fine. You, you know, an octopetrahedron is what I may be talking about. Uh, yeah. Oh, what about, uh, where's this note here? Uh, that's, oh, Tales of Typhoon Lagoon. The Typhoon Lagoon's in Disney World. Uh, Typhoon Falls was a place in Arizona, Eleanor was referring to. Uh, this is from allyears.net uh, by Jim Corcus. Uh, it was in the January 17th, 2012 issue, number four, 643 of All Years. And I'll just kind of basic. this is a history of it. Uh, uh, Disney's first water park opened in 1976. That was River Country. It was the first completely themed water park. Uh, then uh, they said, hey, let's... Uh, Let's build another water park. Uh, uh, okay, this is a lot of this is about River Country, which is interesting too. Uh, Typhoon Lagoon opened June first, nineteen eighty nine, across the street from Pleasure Island. Uh, it was home to the world's largest outdoor surf pool, not just a wave pool. The article says, uh, according to the backstory, Disney Imagineers uh, said uh, a, a storm uh, came through. And swept here to Typhoon Lagoon, uh, and uh, left. Uh, uh, took the small Placid Palms Resort and made it into a. Uh, uh, oh, it, it did it created all the wave things uh, and a lot of the theming. Lucky inhabitants uh, used their not great fortune to transform Placid Palms into Leaning Palms Resort. Uh, referencing the fact that some of the remaining palm trees were uh, uprooted. The local residents rebuilt their town the best they could uh, using found objects. Uh, on entering Typhoon Lagoon, according to uh, Randy Bright, guests find themselves in a ramshackle tin-roofed island village landscaped with cargo surfboard and other marine stuff. Uh, originally, it was called Splash... Uh, Named after the Touchstone movie. Uh, let's see. The entrance is, uh, you know, I've, I've been here with my, I went here with my daughter. We had a lot of fun. Uh, uh, Tilly, the main hallmark says the Typhoon Lagoon is Mount May Day. And up there is Miss Tilly, and, and she shoots water out of her roof. Uh, Every once in a while, every 30 minutes, according to this, 50 feet in the air. And in 2005, they added the Crush and Gusher, uh, old fruit washing and packing plant. Uh, and that has these really cool rides. You, I, I did an episode about it where Ray talks about all this. Uh, he really liked visiting there. Uh, let's see. We'll cover Pluots, uh, which are PL, it's spelled, just in case you play Scrabble or something, P L U O T. I couldn't spell it. Uh, uh, Pluots, Apriums, Apriplums, and Plumcots are some of the hybrids between uh, the Prunus species. I've been called a Prunus species before. 
uh, that are also interspecific plums, uh, where plumcots and apriplums are first-generation hybrids between a plum parent and an apricot. Pulots and apriplums are later generations. Uh, Pulots are later generation of a hybrid that are genetically one-fourth apricot and three-fourths plum. Didn't know that. Uh, exterior has a smooth skin like a plum. Uh, yeah, that's about it. I enjoy those. Uh, oh, I'm going to link to this article. I, I tweeted it out on New Year's. Uh, it's from the New York Times. Uh, what is glitter? It's by Katie Weaver. I'm not going to even try to get into this article. It's just so well written and so interesting. It's from uh, December 21st, 2018. What is glitter in the New York Times? Read it. You'll really enjoy it. Uh, and I know like a lot of craft people have strong opinions on glitter. That's totally cool. Uh, what about gravitas? Let's get some SAT words in here. Uh, gravitas, G-R-A-V-I-T-A-S, is one of the Roman virtues. Uh, appreciated in leaders. Uh, it is uh, translated variously as weight, serious dignity, importance, uh, pronunciation. It connotes a, a certain uh, substance or depth of personality. Uh, also conveys a sense of responsibility and commitment to the task. Uh, in the British education system, this is all according to Wikipedia, Gravitas is seen as a pillars of the moral formation uh, this was during Victorian and Edward Edwardian eras. Uh, so it's gravitas. Uh, it, well, here's another one, vexed. Uh, it's pronounced with a V, but uh, V-E-X-E-D. Uh, vexed can be annoyed, irritated, distressed, uh, uh, or much debated, discussed, or di- disputed. Uh, so just, just a word I love, vexed. <laughs> yeah. No comment. And here, here, you say where, where, here, here is an expression used as a short, repeated form of hear them. It represents a listener's agreement with a point being made by the speaker. It was originally an imperative uh, for directing attention to speakers and has since been used, according to Oxford English Dictionary, as a regular form of cheering in the House of Commons with many person purposes. Uh, it is it uses use in the parliament is linked to the fact that applause is normally forbidden in the House of Commons and the House of Lords. Uh, so that's interesting. Uh, that's Wikipedia too. Also linked to an article about the Royal Mail. It's pretty long. Uh, which was a postal service and courier company and uh, established in the UK in 1516. Uh, it used to be private, I mean, a pu- public uh, service, and uh, now it's a public limited company uh, when it became, uh, you know, filing the uh, 2011, 2013. Uh, maybe, maybe it's not. Uh, it says uh, UK government initially had a 30% stake. Uh, it can be traced to Henry VIII, uh, who established a master of posts, uh, which was renamed Postmaster General in 1710. Uh, this is kind of a, a, a link to the article, but I was really thinking about it. Is like uh, when you think about democracy. Yeah, uh, I was just really thinking this week about thank goodness for the ability to send letters for a buck or whatever it costs now. Uh, I don't know, and especially when it's not. I mean, this is just my preference, I guess. Uh, as a public benefit, uh, it does feel like. Uh, 
if it costs everybody the same and it's like a really inexpensive, uh, that's an important thing, at least to me. So I'm glad uh, Henry VIII, uh, I don't know if that was the first one, probably not. Uh, so yeah, you should just, that's, so that's a little bit of came up on the show tonight. Uh, thanks so much for listening and good night. All right. I want to thank everybody, uh, that reviewed the podcast or commented on it. I want to thank, uh, Ramundo. Uh, uh, I want to thank, uh, Miguel who commented on Castbox. uh, found this podcast a week ago. Love it. Very helpful. I sleep like a baby. Thank you. Thank you, Miguel. And then the people who reviewed the show over on Apple Podcasts or in iTunes on their desktop, uh, Lil Miss Jazzy from the U.S. says the hype is legit. I've always had trouble sleeping. When I do, I wake up half-rested and more tired than before. I don't know what kind of mind powers Scooter has or uh, how he got them, but D-R-A-N. All I know is I'm out cold and I wake up feeling refreshed and ready to go. I honestly have no clue what he's talking about. Cannot recall a single story because I rarely make it past the intro. Uh, I'm always tired when I go to bed, uh, but Scooter has gifted me with a way to calm my mind enough to sleep. I rarely write reviews, and I never have much mo- money to donate, uh, but this show is at the top of my list. Uh, thanks, Jazzy. Uh, then uh, Mademoiselle uh, R to the A to the T says, thank you, Scooter. I've uh, been having trouble sleeping for several years. Usually I wake up around 3 a.m., can't get back to sleep for a few hours, uh, sometimes not at all. I decided to see if listening to podcasts could help. Uh, I came across a review Sleep With Me, download a few episodes to see if it would work. Uh, the first episode I started listening to made me think there was no way I could ever fall asleep while someone talked about nothing. Well, was I ever proven wrong? I must have fallen asleep within 15 minutes, woke up at 3 a.m., turned it back on. Uh, miracle or miracle, the magic happened again. Now I'm hooked. I uh, love listening to the jingles. I've become a patron. I send money to Scooter because he's made such a difference in my life. If you're a patron, you get extra episodes to listen to commercial-free. Uh, but I must admit I like the regular ones because the jingles are clever and soothing. It's been over two months. I have not felt this rest in years. I would highly recommend uh, you become a patron. Uh, this guy, this is what this guy does to support himself and his daughter. Worthy cause indeed, and you can feel good about supporting. Enjoy. Uh, thank you. Uh, I don't know why Kit Kit Tev says uh, uh, five stars. I don't know why, but this podcast is like a sleeping pill. When I first listened, I actually laughed out loud a couple times because it seems so absurd. Uh, the joke was on me a couple minutes later when I was sleeping like a baby. I let podcasts play throughout the night, uh, unintentional the first time, and it kept me asleep. E uh, to the H says, what is happening? I haven't been able to fall asleep without medicine for some time. I don't want to count on medicine forever. Uh, guided meditations, guided relaxation, good sleep hygiene, nothing worked until I met my boyfriend. Every time I put the podcast on, I fall asleep. When I wake up, I put another episode on, and I fall asleep again. Uh, I had to listen to an episode during the day to see if uh, where I was falling asleep. Let me say it's thoroughly entertaining. It's the most hysterical, random, nonsensical stuff. Just how my brain works. It's structured... Uh, to keep the fleeting tangents alight. Uh, thank you, Scooter, for doing what you do and doing it well. Service you provide is a great addition to my toolbox, so that's a perfect way to sum it up, too. And it's helping you change your life. I'm the tool in your toolbox. Uh, that's perfect for uh, uh, intro, so future uh, intro. Uh, here's someone who disliked it. Uh, I guess they didn't get, they didn't listen too much. So Luke uh, says, uh, 
95% of the podcast is great. He puts you to sleep, uh, keeps you to sleep. One issue, uh, uh, the jingles, uh, and uh, you might not think it, but it wakes me up. Uh, it's such an oversight. Well, no, it's not an oversight. So it keeps the show furry, actually. I can't believe they realized this uh, interruption could be taken out. We could take it out. We just wouldn't have uh, two episodes a week. Uh, oh, they because they listen all night. If you listen all night, you really either have to get used to the uh, jingles or support the show. Uh, this person also doesn't like the intros. Uh, yes, the intro is 15 minutes. Uh, and it's an unnecessary explanation and request for money. Awful. Uh, please get rid of the music and explaining the intro. I would pay a subscription if it weren't for the music in the intro. Says so Luke. Maybe Luke found his way to become a patron, though. Uh, this person also didn't like the intro. Way too long. That's Mary from the UK. Takes forever to get started. Uh, 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 Otto Star, though, from the UK, says soothing sounds and stories. I love a good ramble. Really relax me. No pressure uh, to actively listen, but to allow the voice and sounds to wash over you. Uh, really good stuff. Uh, helpful in my sleep missions. Uh, and then Krim takes a lap, uh, says, uh, oh no, there's two more. Okay. Uh, Krim takes a lap, says, I lost it here. Sorry, Krim. Uh, somewhat hypnotism. Some just suggest this podcast. It really didn't do for me. Oh, years later. I think we did, the, 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 we did read this one. Yeah. The, then it started again. They came back. They listened to it a few years ago. It didn't like it. They came back they liked it. Uh, so thank you so much. Uh, uh, Sleep with Me exists because of people who go out of their way to support the show, either financially by being a patron or directly supporting the sponsors, writing reviews on Apple Podcasts or CastBox or in their things, uh, spreading the word. Uh, so thank you, everyone, that I rely on, you know, to, to help me here keep the show going. I really appreciate it. Also, really counting that my team at uh, Night Vale Presents, we're a proud member of Night Vale Presents, uh, you could check out all their amazing shows, including as a recording, uh, one of the newest ones, uh, Harry Potter and the Sacred Text, uh, a really podcast. Uh, if, if you're a Harry Potter fan, you've been meaning to reread Harry Potter. If you're curious about uh, spirituality or your own, you know, your own uh, spiritual journey, check it out. Harry Potter and the Sacred Text. We're also a member of PRX. You can check out all the amazing things they're doing at prx.org. And there's plenty of other episodes ready to go for you. I'm here uh, all night long. It's your friend Scoots. Uh, good night. Okay, everybody, we're talking about uh, uh, episode. Uh, uh, good question, Scoots. What, uh, I think it's 12, uh, season three, episode 12. It GDCs is a time knife. Uh, and it opens with uh, walking through what we saw with the, the judge and the door person. Um, a walkway, a little bit more detail. So we see some zeppelins or some blimps, pneumatic tubes. Oh, possibly Hyperloop. I forgot to look up Hyperloop, though. Uh, there's no steam. So I wouldn't say it's a steampunk element. It's, it's steampunk maybe adjacent. I don't know how to describe it because there's these old globe street lights. Uh, they seem to be kind of on a bridge over uh, nothingness. Be, I don't know. It really cool set design. Uh, in the off season, I'll try to listen to the podcast so I can see kind of uh, any details I can find out about that. The Good Place podcast. Uh, uh, there's elevators moving fast up and down. 
Michael kind of talks about how the interdimensional hole of pancakes, the IHAP that we're going to, is like the Grand Central Station for space and time. Is something, oh, uh, uh, Jason and um, Eleanor share a high five on the IHOP uh, thing. Jason says, uh, Michael is in a, he's a good, good, good place, bad place, uh, t- bow tie and stuff. Uh, again, I guess I'm looking forward to listening to the Good Place podcast again, or maybe not, because it'll give me too much information of why he changes suits and stuff. I just find it interesting, though. Great for this podcast. And a bunch of background nuggets in this one uh, for me to spot. Uh, uh, post-life writing. Oh, so there's like the, the kind of um, whatever the uh, cryptographic writing or, or uh, language they use in the post-life writing. That's what I call it. It's on the door, uh, which the door doesn't uh, open as so much as it dematerializes. Jeez, a little slow to go through it. He doesn't want to go. Michael gives him the old option one, and they get into a surreal world, uh, the 10th dimension, where Michael says, oh, they added a 10th dimension. They added, looks like, uh, oh, this is great Tahani stuff. Uh, uh, she says, it looks like we're on a Diane von Fostenberg pattern. And then it was like she goes, it was from spring 2013 collection. I don't know what that last thing says. Maybe, that, oh, fashion, maybe, because it looks like it says fast lane. Uh, Jason mentions this, maybe from too much uh, salvia, which for a dyslexic, like anytime I try to type it or write it out during the writing of this episode, uh, it like, makes me think of saliva. Even when I was Googling it, I'm like, it's not going to come up. Saliva's going to come up. Uh, and again, staring at it, it's just saliva. Sal. sal- Via, that's easy, Sal. Via. It's also a road named after the most famous Sal's in the world. Also, if if uh, Sal Castaneda, that's my local weather person, uh, he, he, he's like, uh, that would be where he lives. Uh, where do you live? I live on Sal Via. So, saliva, sa, li, va. So, sa, S A, L I, V A, va. Maybe. GD838, I don't know what that means. Oh, Chapter 38, that's the episode. I'm already like a few minutes behind the episode here. Jason and Janet have a nice little talk. Really good, like a really nice one. A lot of good puns in there. Uh, Talking about no time like the present. Uh, uh, He says, uh, (laughs) I wish some of these things I could even say in the podcast. Uh, uh, but J- she said, Jason says he's catching feelings, and then he says double dice, uh, but he, he uses a different term, a single di- dice, so. Uh, the, <laughs> oh, he just, man. Uh, date, so they set up a date, actually, or, or a potential to go on a date, uh, and there's even more puns in there, because uh, the date is set kind of with puns. So then uh, the judge comes back. I don't think I've given my Rudolph her due. Uh, so we will uh, touch on that later. But, but like, uh, what a wonderful screen presence and comedian, uh, actress, uh, and just perfect casting for the judge, uh, really. Uh, just, just when we need it, uh, 
and especially for this episode, carrying it through. Uh, Judge arrives. Uh, she's not happy with Michael. She says she likes cheaty, sexy cheaty, sexy male person cheaty. I wonder if she. I wonder if she's seen shirtless cheaty because I don't know if she like like uh, if she saw a shirtless cheaty on Earth in um a sprinklers. Uh, she'd be she'd be have a human experience probably. But Tahani gets a pet. I think the name of the pet was the Need Noggle. Uh, Need Noggle. I didn't Google that one though. Uh, Cheaty uh, stressed. Uh, judge uh, creates an illusion, so, to, so it's like a, this is like being in a surreal painting, like a Diane Va, Diane von Fostenberg print. Uh, so it's really disorienting for everybody. So the judge creates an illusion. Yeah, our our prowlant realtor to normal. I have. Uh, Oh, augment, that looks like, it does look like augment, it doesn't look like reality, but she augments the reality to a normal IHOP. Uh, it looks like a cogent realtor. Uh, that would be a good magazine. Well, magazines you subscribe to, uh, whatever it was, a lame, lame contest magazine, word contest magazine, and uh, cogent realtor. Oh, are you a realtor? No, I don't, actually, I don't even know what cogent means. I have a general guess, uh, but it only only comes out one one issue a decade anyway, so I'm still waiting for it. Uh, here at Green Key Realty, we have uh, cogent realtors. Uh, I'm the cogent realtor. It, 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 once I look up cogent, I'll figure out a, a joke to put in here. Uh, to normal eye hop, and need noggle is turned into a scarf. It's still the need noggle, just an illusion that it's a scarf. Need noggles are very cute. A judge sits uh, down. Uh, judge sits. I mean, she sits down. Michael does a presentation. The life is back in Trek's sport coat. Oh, he's back in, like uh, in his uh, tie and sport coat. T-I-E-X currently means tie. Okay, let's see. 434, you're supposed to pause for tam tambure. Let's go back here because it's already way ahead of me. About 434 in the episode because, again, I'm not, uh, I'm not exactly. Let's see. Oh, that's five minutes. So this is a scene where uh, Michael's talking to the judge. Judge is sitting. He's got a um, plaid kind of sport coat print. Everyone else is in different outfits other than Cheaty, I believe. Oh, here we go. It, it was a behind-the-scenes note. I guess it wasn't supposed to read it. I was supposed to go here so I can read this readout uh, for Doug L-E-R-P-I-S-S. Uh, S, uh, like a Green Lantern symbol with some sort of uh, Space Invader symbol dash 41. Just in case you you know you want to um, look up his uh, his other numbers are 987-263-55613-237-6656-YUG YUG. And let's see what Doug did. He purchased one Gardener's Delight tomato from a food and stuff grocery store. This was in Snarling, Indiana, USA. 
April 9th, 2009, 4-18-18, local time. Is that 4 a.m.? Doug, buddy, you got to get stuff going to the grocery store. Negative 12.368 attributed point total. Which if you're a tomato fan, uh, this could be hard. Uh, top relevant point additions. Uh, purchase of nominally healthy food stuff. Uh, point positive 3.019. Intention to make salad for a family. Positive 2.222228. A volunteer to go to the store instead of his cousin. It's only plus point zero six six one six. I'm calling foul on that. Uh, volunteering to go to the store should be like a definitely positive many points. Uh, relative relevant point subtractions though. You know where the tomato was grown and how it was grown. Uh, deduction includes both uh, use of stuff to do it, uh, surrounding farmlands. Uh, Louisa Imogene. Uh, oh, this is a CF uh, account. So Louisa Imogene, uh, Imogen, uh, Waylon regarding uh, ripple effects uh, uh, and uh, with regard to rainwater runoff. Uh, this is a negative 8.313. Uh, who, labor force. You can check the accounts of Lars and Erica with regards to uh, migrant labors, treatments. Uh, also, especially Erica's uh, presentation, how do we calculate the effects of farm labor when the farmers essentially don't have any options? That's from Barami, number 211-GG1-ETPPPP10. Uh, total rolls in it, negative 6.3198. Uh, then that it was shipped uh, using fuel efficient, inefficient vehicles. That's negative like uh, the NBC sign again, negative something. Uh, so that's uh, that was that. Uh, that's why I was supposed to pause for Thurber. I don't know if James Thurber's calling into the podcast. Also, sort of look in the background a little bit. There's an old time radio in the background. My Rudolph says to Michael, Your big revelation is life is complicated. It's like something from a throw pillow. Do the research if you're going to buy a tomato. Uh, Michael stu- stuck, so he does. He flosses, uh, and he says, "Well, the backpack kid dance makes people happy." Chidi tries to quote John Paul Sartre. Uh, Jason says, "Boring." I got this, uh, and he tells a story about Big Noodle being late to rehearsal, and then a swamp flood at his uh, house. Uh, four grandparents. Sharing the same way. Again, worth a rewatch just for Jason saying Willy Wonka. I'm not even kidding. It's probably worth uh, two or three rewatches. Also, you're going to be catching more and more stuff in the background. There's, uh, well, I'll have notes up here. Everyone's amazed. Uh, he says, you can't judge humans. Zappy, zappy, marble, marble. Uh, judge is going to go into Earth. Uh, she goes some, she's just going to start in Mexico. And then she's really, she's back really fast. Uh, she says, uh, she, sheesh, uh, uh, woof, and uh, something else. I can't read my, be, re, regala. What other words would you say it was she, sheesh, rough? Oh, it's rough, y'all. Oh, she says, C-R-A-P, y'all. She went, she went to uh, Tanzania, Paraguay, 
Vietnam and Denmark, uh, always, you know, tr- rough in a different way. Also, uh, sale on an outlaw mall in Michigan for the deals. Uh, say, why would you go there? And, and, uh, Friday after Thanksgiving, she rubs her hands, uh, I think, uh, or no, she's rubbing her feet. That was really a note that I just stuck with me, even though I couldn't read my writing of the brilliance that she returns to earth. And the first thing she does is rub her feet. She says it's hot and crowd, crowded on earth, yet somehow cold and lonely. They said, you're singing my song. Uh, that's when I started to notice stuff in the background, too. There's pancakes on tables stacked up. Uh, WTF, uh, instead of us, uh, I think there's syrup, but then there's also a growing, glowing green and pink, uh, hot pink and a hot, a hot green or neon green slime in the uh, with the syrup, in syrup containers. Uh, they talk about this chicken sandwich conundrum. Uh, Chidi's choice theory, uh, you know, because Chidi could never make a decision. And uh, the judge says, you're nobody's problem. Then Sean, they send Sean in to have a discussion among everybody. Uh, and he's discussing the plot of the Entourage movie. He was using that on William Shakespeare. Uh, that was cool. Oh, then the judge says, let's relocate to another uh, scene. So they head off to a conference room. Humans might be uh, average better, uh, just a little bit better than the uh, uh, smidge or something better. Uh, And uh, Sean says, what about Limp Biscuit?" Uh, And Judge says, you got a point. I'll just tell you this factoid now that is so sweet is Limp Biscuits from Jacksonville, Florida. Uh, Jacksonville. Uh, so that's uh, cool. I mean, that's just so sweet. It doesn't get, that's when life, you can't get any better than that. Uh, people are trying. John says uh, at some point, he says he doesn't care. Full stop. End of story. Uh, but then they use the uh, uh, Soul Squad as an example. Why did they get better? It was a fluke. Uh, actually, he didn't even track the point totals, Michael. Uh, Chidi uh, tries to stand up and make a point, and he falls, you know, because they're actually, this is just an illusion, right? So they're over there in the uh, IHOP uh, uh, dimension, and so Chidi kind of goes through a portal or something, shrinks down, starts shooting across the room. Just right when you need a little punch-up, they say, Chidi, anybody got eyes on Chidi? Elmer says, grab my tiny boyfriend. And Chidi comes back. He says, I just saw, I've been to like a trillion different realities, uh, folding onto one another like sheets of metal, forming a single blade. And they say, that's a time knife. I couldn't find any, well, we'll talk about it in there. Like, uh, and Mike goes, yeah, it's just a time knife. Uh, that's what we call it. Chidi goes, I saw the time knife. Again, acting is just so good. Uh, Michael is right. No variables. Uh, Oh, this is Eleanor's point. You know, I think that, you know, and I disagreed though. I don't think this is a positive thing. She said, yeah, there wasn't any variables that, uh, make uh, life on earth hard, like paying rent and stuff. Uh, but then they also go to a call back to Simone's data collection. Which just thought was a good, I don't, I don't know. It was someone to try to figure out how to, how to do this. Uh, I liked that call back, uh, uh, and then they say, we're going to get new people, which I put a big WTF just because it's like, uh, 
wait, holy cliffhanger. I mean, we still have one episode left, but, you know, how am I going to contain myself? Is there going to be four more cast members here? Or what are they, like, there's just so many creative choices they can make. Uh, it's just uh, how they manage, again, to keep making the show fresh after three seasons uh, is a tribute to the creators and everybody that works on this show. Uh, new people could be proof uh, where, oh, where are we going to do it? Because uh, we can't do it in the good place or the bad place. Uh, and they say, Eleanor says, I got an idea. So every this this episode has everything. Mindy St. Clair shows up. Uh, uh, see, can we do it in your backyard? Uh, and she says, for what? I don't care. You know, just classic Mindy St. Clair. Uh Here's another reason, again, to rewatch it. I didn't write down the time, but do yourself a favor. I put, uh, watch, I mean, just rewatch this whole episode, maybe in slow motion, around with uh, 12 minutes uh, when you're skipping the commercials. Uh, but Mindy St. Clair has this painting above her fireplace that uh, is just beyond unbelievable. I, can't, I can try to describe it to you, but it won't do it justice. It looks like a young Billy Idol. Or a blonde-haired, uh, who's a super handsome dude uh, that everybody loves uh, from, uh, why can't I think, I have his name on the next page. Okay, amazing, like a young Billy Idol, or got Ryan Gosling, uh, in, in kind of like a surfer bra, like with a surfer bra look, but then either on the shoulder, this is a painting above a fireplace, uh, is on the shoulder of the, uh, Here's here's something for Ryan Gosling to think about. Well, first of all, does Billy Idol have any uh, autobiography? And we could just do a fiction. We could work together, Goss. Also, can I call you Goss? Uh, what about you playing young Billy Idol? I mean, again, we probably, I don't know, but um, with a pair of macaw on his shoulder. And Mindy says, leave me out of it. If you need to talk to anybody, talk to Derek. And she kind of leans in, into that on Janet. Uh, and then Jason gets to find out who J- Derek is. Uh, she says, he's my rebound son. And then uh, she's like, Derek didn't work right. Uh, and then I couldn't track this quote down, so I didn't know how many layers of uh, brilliance the writers, you know, probably a few steps ahead of me. How... Should he love thee for how something who would not leave him? He said he's quoting Poe, Derek, which he could have been. I just wasn't able to track it down because uh, so, I didn't know if it was like actually something else. because I'm like, oh, it's a little bit like Emily Browning. Yeah, so I didn't know if it was Poe or Shakespeare or something else. Uh, Derek's also in a tux with a martini. Re- oh, he's he's been rebooted about a half million times. Each time he gets a little bit smarter. And also, you know, Derek's within the uh, the Paul Shear Venn diagram. You know, layovers with the Paul Shear Venn diagram that we talked about last week. Uh, Michael's going to design. Oh, they go over the rules. The judge Michael and Sean. Michael's going to design the uh, neighborhood. Bad place gets a you pick the humans, but they have to be the same general badness. Uh, so no boy band managers. It's funny, Derek and Janet are sitting in this meeting. Mike, who can adjust the neighborhood? Uh, oof, uh, an issue, where do we get? Oh, where, where are we going to get the residents? Uh, 
Oh, this is when Derek shows up. He says, would anyone want a medium snack? Uh, he is a fancy martini, he calls them, or something. He, it's just a glass of olives. I wonder if there's behind-the-scenes shots of this, like the, cra- the uh, what are they called, the cast cracking up. One year, I don't know what that means. Well, one year they get uh, the Janet. This looks like I said B-A-D-A-A-S. Uh, no cheating. Oh, Janet. Oh, Janet, baby. So Janet says, I'll make the residence. Uh, uh, no cheating. Sean uses a hand buzzer on Michael and Derek. Uh, and then Michael and Janet start building. Uh, they're going to start basic. It seems like it's very similar to Michael's neighborhood. And Michael goes, well, how many ideas? This is a really nice moment. Really, really. Uh, she says, how many ideas you got, Janet? She goes, 11 trillion. And he goes, in genuine way, he goes, I'm so glad you're here. And she says, yeah, me too. Really, uh, I don't know, this complicated wholesomeness. I don't know how else to describe it, a real emotional resonance uh, uh, that the acting and the writing are able to carry. Uh, first up is a cafe, restaurant name here. So basic, Michael says, and he laughs. Uh, much of it is like the old good, bad place. Uh, then Eleanor and Cheedy. Oh, right. Eleanor's old house. Uh, Cheedy says, why would you want to live here? She goes, well, this is the place we fell in love. So of course I want to live here. And they talk about, he says, I love you too. And then they kind of talk about how they're going to get to be like a normal couple, uh, which was also very cute. Michael's in a nice suit, but it's not with a bow tie. It's with a long tie. This is in the new media testing place or whatever. The new faux good place. Uh, long tie. Uh, Jason's there. They're watching Janet create uh, a Daphne. It seems really hard on Janet. She has to put a lot of work into it. A little bit like a laborious. Uh, and Derek shows up. Uh, he says, if I help, we could be done in two shakes of a lamb's tail. Uh, classy mature oh classy martini he just has a glass with a lemon in it you know jason's uncertain so i guess it's good that they're offering us like probably maybe and uh, yeah i don't want to talk speculate but uh you know as jason and janet get closer together then derek's here to kind of stir stuff up so maybe well we don't let's not speculate what's going to happen next episode uh michael's back in the office and now he has a bow tie on the judge calls, but it's really Sean cranking him. Uh, likes Michael's idea about be, 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 uh, be, 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 using the word be a lot uh, and flattening things. Uh, he has a fake Michael there and a fake Michael suit. Vicky's the one in the suit. Uh, talks about what, you know, the Soul Squad's future. You know, Michael's tie was like a purple watercolor tie, navy polka dot pocket square. Uh, thing by pop-up uh well there's a pop-up on the wall that has a wake-up time for the first r- arrival to a good place yeah uh, with the countdown michael's looking over like a dot matrix printout like a two-tone one with the green and the white so maybe it's easier to read i don't know uh, uh, eleanor shows up how you doing uh, and michael says a little jittery yeah plums are for wimps what does that mean Oh, Eleanor, this is very similar to me. Eleanor and I are very similar people. She goes, plans are for wimps. I don't say that, but she goes, let's do this shell strap style. 
which is the way I did it. Uh, to, that's the way I did it too, which is basically uh, fake it and don't barely make it. Because uh, it was like one way I found it, there were times I could take a test and still get a D without doing anything or a C. It wasn't exact. it wasn't, you know, it wasn't a great time, you know, but uh, it was shell straps. I didn't know it was called shell strap style. It was called uh, Take It Alone Out for this style. Uh, Eleanor peeks out uh, at the person who's out there, 648119. Or no, that's the plan they're going to enact. Uh, Eleanor says, dude, relax. Your plan will be great. Your friends will always trust you. And this is another rug that's kind of always under Michael that we're wondering when it's going to be pulled out at different times. You know, this idea of like uh, all of them loving one another. And what happens when you trust people uh, and you let them down? Uh, so uh, they also wondered about Eleanor's entrance and exit method. They didn't see how she entered because the, the human or the or new arrivals in the waiting room. And we still get one more thing, which I think offers unbelievable creative potential for the next episode, which is Michael uh, says, here I go, here I go. And I'm gone, Michael says. And then he says, I can't do it. Uh, it can't go out there. You know, it's too much stake, sir. And uh, the person says, uh, hello. And uh, the person, uh, Michael says, I can't do it. And then there's a zoom on Eleanor's face, like, as she tries to figure out what to do. And with that, the episode came to a conclusion. Okay, so let's see. I'm running through here. She sees the time knife. Uh, Okay, so steampunk, well, this wasn't steampunk, and we've kind of covered uh, steampunk on there. Yeah, you thought we'd talk about a little bit about steampunk novels. I got a couple of different articles here. Uh, this one's from Bustle. It's from July 26, 2016 by Sean Fitzpatrick. Eight steampunk novels every reader will love. Uh, Sean kind of talking about being in a coffee shop that had a lot of steampunk uh, style, antique stuff. Uh, they said steampunk might always be cool. Uh, for those who aren't for, familiar with the term, steampunk is a subgenre of uh, science fiction or fantasy that takes place in a world empowered by powered by 19th century machinery. Uh, kind of like an alternative historical environment. Uh, Victorian England is popular. Uh, futuristic ideas, old-fashioned technologies, uh, like uh, the Disney animated movie Atlantis or the novel 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea. Uh, you might have seen people in, like, a Victorian gown with uh, futuristic stuff uh, at cons before. Might not be for everyone, but uh, Sean's always loved the aesthetic and has uh, looked for stuff. Uh, and here's some st steampunk novels. Number one, the, gold, the Golden Compass by Philip Pullman. Cool, I didn't know that. Uh, Infernal Devices by K.W. Jester. I read this book, I read, like... Uh, it definitely needed someone to read it with me, which I didn't do. Uh, but it, it, uh, it, and this is supposed to be one of the uh, first, one of the first uh, steampunk uh, novels, uh, not written by Jules Verne. Uh, Soul Squadless uh, by Gal Carriger. Uh, this looks interesting too. Uh, uh, supernatural stuff. Uh, uh, something hired by Queen Victoria, Mortal Engines by Philip Reeves, which is a movie that uh, either came out or is about to come out. 
So you may have seen the things, uh, uh, cities attach themselves in wheels and engines and move around Earth uh, looking for uh, resources. Leviathan, I don't know if I've read this one. Uh, Steampunkified WW1 era Europe. Uh, no, I don't think so. Uh, yeah, so that sounds cool, too. The Glass Books of the Dream uh, Consumers uh, by Gordon Dahlquist. Uh, Miss Temple's fiance. Sorry, I don't want to read too much about him, but these are all like I'll link to the thing. Uh, mansion, because uh, especially because it's like uh, not everything you can read. Uh, Automatic Woman by Nathan Yoakum. Uh, let's see, Swan Lake. A uh, bit of a mystery. Uh, the invention of. Uh, Hugo Cabret by Brian Selznick. Uh, this is a Caldecott Award winner. Uh, a Paris train station, fixing clocks. Uh, uh, automaton. Uh, so that's cool. So those are some. And then uh, over here, oh, maybe I'll be wrong. This is steampunkworkshop.com. Nine, num- nine novels that... Uh, it defined as steampunk. Uh, this is by Jonathan Grayshade. And let's see if there's any of these. Uh, uh, Gears of Brass, a steampunk anthology. The Difference Engine uh, by uh, William Gibson and Bruce Sterling. I read that a long time ago. Agency by William Gibson. Uh, the Anibus Gates uh, by Tim Powers. Morlock Knight, I read that one. That's like part two of, uh, I'm pretty sure that was the one. That's part two of uh, A Journey to the Center of the Earth. Or, you know, an imaginary one. Uh, Tim Powers, Alternate Roots, uh, uh, Infernal Devices, uh, Mortal Engines, Book Three. So, so maybe, these, maybe that was an automated list. Uh, Let's see. Yeah, that was okay. So that was like Morlock Knights, uh, which came out in '79. Anibus Gates, '83. Uh, Homunculus uh, by James Blaylock. I think I read another book by Blaylock. Uh, that one came out in '86. Uh, Infernal Devices. Uh, oh, uh, sorry. Oh, that was by J. Uh, that's by G- G- K.W. Jeter as well. I think I mentioned that. Then in the '90s, The Difference Engine. Uh, Lord Kelvin's Machine by James Blaylock. Uh, then Michael Morlock, uh, uh, who's proto-steampunk, uh, like uh, Warlords of the Air, The Land of Leviathan, and The Steel Tsar. So, so, Tsar, right? The Tsar. Uh, then it kind of goes, oh, so that's the end of it. So, so it's another cool list of, you know, if you're looking for something to read that's a little bit, uh, you know, different, but recommended, check some of those books out. Uh, the other thing that Pipes remind me of, and I think I've talked about this on the show, was a show that was on uh, called Steampipe Alley with the great Mario Cantone. Uh, it was, uh, it ran, it was a children's television production from WWOR-TV. I think it probably ran on um, WPIX for me, uh, but it was on the air from 88 to 93 which meant I shouldn't have been watching it because I was too old. 
He's just in eighth grade, but uh, yeah, Mario Cantone, Ted Malley, Malley, uh, and each episode had celebrity guests, recurring segments, uh, comedy sketches, games. It was kind of like a local TV show with a little bit broader reach. It had Looney Tunes and Max Fleischer cartoons. Uh, the series was written by Judy Katzschock. Uh, Rick Derman, senior, senior producer. Uh, Cantone played, like, like, what I liked best is that Cantone kind of uh, was uh, really showing range. Uh, he played Julia Children, who was like Julia Childs. Uh, Joe Rivers, a comedian, the brother of Joan Rivers. Uh, uh, Pavarotti, uh, kind of like, uh, and that one doesn't sound very good. Uh, Chow Aldo in... Uh, uh, prop fragrances, Ted Ringer, uh, Frankie D, who was like Sinatra, uh, Richie Morales, Sammy Sammy Jr., Rex Can Read, a parody of Rex Reed, and Angelo Antonelli. Uh, they had a segment in the sewer, Dream Date Game, Where in the World, Steampipe Theater. Cecil B. B. DeMario, uh, uh, something to think about, Cream the Teacher, where they're throwing pies at their teacher, uh, a lot of other stuff, the National Gallery of Excuses, uh, Mystery Guest, uh, Brain Drain, uh, a little bit like Double Dare. So just a show I, I really, uh, I don't know, I just always had a soft spot for it. Uh, let's see. What's next? Oh, this one is a really, this is a universetoday.com, which is a space and astronomy news site. Uh, this article is from December 10th, 2014 by Matt Williams, a universe in 10 dimensions. Uh, uh, when someone says different dimensions, we think of them like parallel universes, alternate realities. However, the reality dimensions and how they play a role in the ordering of our universe is quite different than the, that characterization. Uh, to break it down, uh, uh, dimensions are different facets of what we perceive to be reality. Uh, we're immediately aware of the three dimensions that surround us on a daily basis uh, and that uh, define the length, width, and depth of objects in our universe is on the X, Y, and Z axes. Beyond these uh, visible dimensions, uh, scientists believe that there are maybe many more uh, in fact, within the theoretical framework of the superstring theory, they, they, we exist in 10 different dimensions. I don't know if we do. That's my ego talking. Uh, let's run through what they have here on Universe Today. The uh, universe, first dimension is uh, which, uh, that which gives it length, the, the x-axis, x-e, uh, which uh, is a straight line, exists not in, only in terms of length, uh, and has no other discernible qualities. When you add the second dimension, the y-axis or height, you can get a two-dimensional shape like a square. Third dimension involves the z-axis of depth, uh, which gives a, a sense of area and cross-section. The fourth dimension is time, which governs the properties of all known matter at any given point. Uh, Knowing an object uh, position in time is essential to plotting its position in the universe. 
so other dimensions are the other dimensions are where deeper possibilities come into play. Uh, according to superstring theory, fifth and sixth are where notions of possible worlds arise. If we could see them through the fifth dimension, we would see a world slightly different from our, our own. Uh, and that would give us the means of measuring the similarity and differences between our world and the other ones. In the sixth dimension, we see a plane of possible worlds uh, where we could compare and position all the possible universes that start with... Uh, the same initial conditions, a uh, big bang. In theory, if you could master the fifth and sixth dimensions, you could travel between all of them, maybe. Oh, here's a seventh dimension would be possible worlds that start with the different initial conditions. So that'd be, that'd be, wow. The eighth dimension gives us a plane of such possible universe histories, each of which begins with different initial conditions and branches out indefinitely so infinity say in the ninth we can compare all possible universe histories with uh, all the different possible laws of physics and initial conditions and in the tenth dimension which where they that's the point where in which everything possible and imaginable is covered beyond this nothing can be imagined by mortals uh, which makes it the limitation of what we can conceive in terms of dimensions uh, the existence of six dimensions, uh, which we cannot per perceive, is necessary for string theory. The necessary for string theory, in order for there to be consistency in nature, uh, the fact that we can only perceive four dimensions of space is explained by two mechanisms. Uh, either the extra dimensions are compactified on a small scale, or else our world may live on a three-dimensional sub-manifold corresponding to a BRA and E, on which all known particles beside gravity would be strict restricted. Uh, if the extra dimensions are compactified, then the extra six dimensions must be, this might be where this is a knife thing, Kalabi-Yau manifold, uh, while imperceptible to our senses, uh, they would have governed the formation of the universe from the very beginning. And that's why uh, it, it goes on to like, uh, like, this is like other candidates for the grand unifying theory or like the great podcast theory of everything. The belief that the universe is made up of 10 dimensions is an attempt to reconcile the standard model of particle physics with the existence of gravity. In short, it's an attempt to explain how all known forces within our universe interact and how other forces themselves might work. And that's just, so I'll link to that uh, a nice little article there. Okay, what about uh, Diane Fossenberg? Uh, uh, let's see, Belgian-American fashion designer, best known for wrap dress, uh, W-R-A-P, uh, rose uh, to prominence uh, when she married into the House of Fossenberg in Germany as uh, the wife of Prince Egon von Fostenberg, also a Ghostbuster. Oh, no, somebody's telling me, my brain's saying it's not. Uh, her fashion company, uh, Diane von Fostenberg, or DVF, uh, is available in over 70 countries, 45 freestanding shops, headquarters in the boat, uh, flagship boutique are in uh, Manhattan. Uh, she's president of the Council of Fashion Designers of America. 68th most powerful woman in the world, according to some magazine. 
Yeah, let's see what else we need to know. Uh, um, in 74 is when she introduced the knitted jersey wrap dress. Uh, an example of which, due to its influence on women's fashion, is the centerpiece of the Costume Institute at the uh, MoMA. After the success of the wrap dress, uh, she was featured in you know, magazines, big time. Her popularity you know, really started to grow. Uh, been a really amazing uh, business person. Let's see what else. Uh, 2009, uh, uh, Michelle Obama wore the DVF signature chain link print wrap dress on the White House Christmas card. Uh, in 2010, uh, von Fostenberg uh, uh, was awarded a gold medal uh, at the Gold Medal Gala. Uh, 2012, first children's collection. Uh, she's a philanthropist and director of the Diller von Fostenberg uh, Family Foundation. Uh, let's see, anything else? Uh, nothing there, but I did find this great article on Vogue.com. Uh, it's from 20, it's for 2013 because uh, I just want to find out more. And I don't know if it was 2013 or 2014, because the joke is about 2013 that Tahani made. Uh, but this is Vogue Runway uh, about uh, uh, the 2013 uh, Diane von Fossenberg Ready to Wear collection. Articles written uh, September 8th, 2012 by Nicole Phelps. Uh, quote, some fairy tales end with a girl marrying the prince, dot, 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 some start there. So we'll read the quote at the top of the notes for the spring show, which was dubbed the Palazzo. You can see where this is going. Uh, uh, the girl in question is no other than von Fostenberg herself. She's led quite a life. Uh, today it yielded a collection that was colorful, confident, and keyed into some of fashion, this fashion moment's big trends. Uh, these days, you know, von Fostenberg sits on a huge business enterprise. Uh, but this outing did was tap into the uh, designer's uh, bohemian spirit, pearl studding, bright color blocking. Uh, uh, oh, with their pearl studding and bright color blocking, boardroom suits, these were not. And to remind us, uh, she's a venturous soul. She's always been uh, uh, von Fossenberg partner with Google to do a show behind the scenes film for Google Glass. Uh, and like some of her, her models, uh, she wore them down the runway. So that's just a little bit. I'll link to that article. It didn't say anything about the prints, but you could see some of the prints uh, in the slideshow that I'm linking to. You say, okay, I see where they're coming from, I think. I don't know that much about fashion. Okay, let's get to uh, my, There's a lot of other stuff I'm going to link to in the notes, but let's just go from my Rudolph. Uh, from the Groundlings, uh, shout out to my friend Annie, who's in a, like, uh, uh, keep you know, if you're in the LA, go to a groundling show. Uh, uh, my Rudolph, uh, was also a member of the alternative rock band, the rentals, then joined the groundlings, uh, then was cast in Saturday night live and then became a movie star. Uh, and, uh, yeah, there's a lot of movies you recognize her from, uh, particularly bridesmaid, bridesmaids, which she shined in. Uh, let's see. Uh, she's done her own shows. She's currently on The Good Place. Uh, Rudolph was born in Gainesville, Florida. 
Uh, let's see what else. Saturday Night Live uh, uh, started in the 99-2000 series uh, season. Uh, sort of, she met her uh, Will Forte, who was talking about her. You know, my forte is uh, Rudolph and Forte. Uh, it quickly used her musical talents so Ricky she could sing and do uh, Prince and Beyonce. Beyonce, right? Not Beyonce. She also was able to play characters of both genders, uh, including uh, Mario Vasquez, uh, uh, Scott Joplin, uh, Justin Garini. Oh, he was, I think he was on uh, um, America's Idol, whatever, American Idol. Uh, let's see what else. Uh, uh, she returned to the show. Her last episode was in 2007, but she came back uh, and played Michelle Obama and sang with, uh, to Amy Poehler's a story about Amy Poehler's new baby. Uh, she was also on the 2008 Christmas special uh, that did her sketch show Bronx Beat with Amy Poehler. Uh, she was in a few sketches in 2008-2009 season with Will Ferrell. Uh, she played Oprah Winfrey, uh, on a sketch in 2009, 2010. Uh, let's see. Uh, she a guest host, uh, for the season 36 premiere hosted by Amy Pro Poehler. Uh, or no, she returned to that. She should have been, well, I mean, actually, uh, she also returned for the season 36 premiere, uh, to be again, that was hosted by Amy Poehler. Uh, and then, uh, again in 2015 for a Christmas episode with Tina Fey and Amy Poehler. Oh, and then the 41st, uh, season finale, which was hosted by Fred Armisen. So uh, really, I, I don't know, just, just an amazing, amazing, uh, comedian. Like I said, let's just read about the music. Cause I did not know that, uh, uh, prior to joining SNL, uh, Rudolph was a backup singer and briefly keyboardist in the band The Rentals, uh, with whom she toured for a short time. She was in their music videos for their songs Waiting and Please Let That Be You. She sang backing vocals for Barcelona and My Head Is In The Sun. Uh, let's see, she did a cover of Tegan and Sarah's Not Tonight. Uh, my Rudolph also... Performed in Together is in Pooping and Little, uh, another song with Triumph, uh, The Dog, uh, and she's in a Prince cover band called Princess with her friend Gretchen. I don't know, I, I just really, really looked forward, anytime I, I find out she's in a project, I really look forward to it, and then I didn't know about this, I don't think, uh, so I don't know, it just carries a lot of things, uh, I'm going to link to a bunch of other things, but let's just touch on Limp Bizkit, uh, B-I-Z-K-I-T. They're a rap rock band from Jacksonville, Florida. Fred Durst, uh, Sam Rivers, John Otto, and DJ uh, Turntables, Wes Borland. Uh, and uh, Borland, I guess, has an elaborate... This is one of those bands that became, like I said, uh, where I, this was a long time ago, and I said, man, I'm out of touch. I didn't, like uh, I said, suddenly they were super popular. I guess because I don't listen to the radio. Uh, and I was like, what the heck? Uh, like, that they were like the biggest, they were one of the biggest things in the world. Uh, and I'm sure they're just still doing, uh, I guess I just don't know. Let me see when they hit their peak, though. Because that would have been when I was like, what? Uh, 
looks like the like early aughts or like the end of the nineties. So I was already out of touch then. Like, geez, uh, yeah, I think the right at the like switch of the year, switch of that. Uh, uh, they're just su- super popular and. Uh, See if they're still touring here. It looks like they had a reunion in 2009 to 2011. Uh, oh, no, 2012 to the present. They're at Cash Money Records. Uh, in 2012, they toured Australia. Um, yeah, so just a little bit. It, it just it, I couldn't believe they were from Jacksonville. I guess that was the main thing. I was like, holy cow. Oh, I see Westmoreland. Yeah, he, he's totally in uh, a dress, like very kiss-esque. Uh, Again, something I just didn't know about. It, and it was just my fault because I'm out of touch. Uh, let's close it out one more note, though. Uh, here's a poem by Poe. But it's, I don't think it's a poem, but I, I thought it was good because it's uh, the name of the poem is A Dream Within a Dream by Edgar Allan Poe. Uh, Take a kiss upon the brow, and in parting from you now, thus much let me avow. You are not wrong who deem that my days have been a dream. Yet if hope has flown away, in night or in a day, in a vision or in none, is it therefore the less gone? All we see or seem is but a dream within a dream. I stand amid the roar of a surf-tormented shore, and I hold within my hand grains of the golden sand. How few Yet how they creep through my fingers to the deep, while I weep, while I weep. Oh God, can I not grasp them with a tighter clasp? Oh God, can I not save one from the pitiless wave? Is all that we see or seem but a dream within a dream? That's Edgar Allan Poe. That's a good place to go out. Uh, uh, Here's some thank yous and some good nights. Thanks, everybody. I want to thank everybody that reviewed the show over on Apple Podcasts. Uh, Gamma, uh, C-L-A-W-S from the U-O-K. Couldn't be more for, more grateful. A couple of months ago, I was dealing with uh, tough stuff, and uh, when I came to bed, I knew I couldn't sleep. Uh, a few weeks prior, a friend recommended this podcast as helping her sleep. So on a desperate whim, I gave it a try and fell asleep within 20 minutes. I never looked back since. From the bottom of my heart, thank you, Scooter, for putting my mind at ease and helping me face every day as rested as possible. Oh, wow. It's really, really my honor. I'm touched uh, to help. Uh, uh, SLR 2233 from the UK stops overthinking. Genuinely amazing. Hardly ever get past the introduction. I actually haven't listened to more than a couple stories despite having played countless episodes because I fall asleep so quick. Uh, works every time. Thank you, Scooter. Uh, L-A-O-D-6468, uh, uh, a miracle. Uh, I'm not sure what magic is worked, uh, but I'm totally here for it, and it gets me to sleep every time. Uh, then we have a descent word search person. Well, they said not so good, one star. Usually not so good is like three stars. I don't mean to quibble. Uh, this was terrible for me. I absolutely H-A-T-ed it, uh, the voice was definitely not pleasant. He, he, he always stutters. That one was on purpose. Uh, pa- passive aggro uh, stutter there. Doesn't make any sense. Highly don't recommend. Yeah, but we bounce right back with Noah, C123. Love it. Uh, never catch anything past the first 20 minutes. Uh, 
Also, I think the intro sounds like the one from Mystery Science Theater 3000. Well, that's even more of an uh, honor. Uh, remarkably in fact, effective. Uh, comes from CBI Cook. Uh, wrestle with chronic pain. And this works better for me than anything else. Uh, when I wake up in pain in the middle of the night, I usually, usually send me back to the land and not fairly quickly. Uh, C. Fair Art uh, from Australia says it works. Uh, sends me out to peaceful sleep, no drugs. Required nothing worse than waking up at 2 a.m. and being, not being able to get back to sleep. Uh, started listening to this and find it very calming. Uh, love uh, the, uh, across the deep dark night. Uh, next thing I know, it's morning. Uh, thank you, Scooter. That comes from Miss Maddie May. Uh, probably best podcast ever. Have trouble falling asleep. And on the first try, I fell asleep before uh, a story even started. Earns five stars. Thank you for reading this, Meg. Scoots is a hoot. Did I, have I read these ones before? I don't know. No, I don't think so. This is only from three days ago. This is from uh, Cobb Cork in Ireland. Uh, I guess like a sleeping pill, although I've never actually taken a sleeping pill. It works to treat uh, Scoots' endearing personality. The only problem is I find myself listening a tad more than I probably should, but I can't help it at times. He's funny, quick, kind, and witty, like a real boar friend, a great boar buddy. I uh, can't sleep without so many black all thoughts, interruptions. Yeah, uh, listening to music doesn't work, but this is ideal. Thanks, and let's keep the show a going. Uh, Floored comes in from Amanda Bell. Uh, says, I was having trouble sleeping last night. I recently started listening to podcasts. So I searched for a sleep podcast because I'm sensitive to uh, hypnosis. I fell asleep during the opening part. I did wake about once, but only for five minutes. Uh, it's weird because you think you're listening, but I don't think you really are. It's almost impossible to listen to because it's so roundabout with no end. Anyway, I'm an intermediate fan and very thankful for the podcast. Uh, I want to thank uh, Christina R., who says, uh, unexpected and oddly miraculous. I was skeptical, but presently surprised. I need, uh, I usually need silence to sleep. Uh, I'm the type of person that needs silence to sleep. Can't sleep with the TV on or listening to music, so I didn't think a soothing voice would let me sleep because uh, I'd only want to pay attention to it. I swore it served the opposite uh, uh, purpose, but this nonsensical drunken battle has never felt able to put me uh, not only sleep, but deep sleep. I recommend it to everyone in my life, and everyone is just as skeptical as I am. Given the, giving it the chance is shockingly effective. It hasn't failed me once. Thanks, Christina. Uh, Nikki, or NYKKI082, says part of my nightly routine. So grateful. Hooked from day one. Just interesting enough to distract. Uh, thanks, Scoots. Uh, freezer B to the U to the R to the N number seven uh, says uh, so good. Often have, often have time trouble getting to sleep, anxious thoughts, uh, racing. Put this podcast on, never make it past the intro. Crazy how it works. Five stars to tell everyone about it. Thank uh, good work to all of you and all your team. Uh, so thanks everybody for reviewing the show over on Apple Podcasts. You can do that in Apple Podcasts on your phone or your tablet or on iTunes on your computer. Sleep with me is a proud member of Night Vale Presents. You can check out all of their amazing shows, including uh, at nightvalepresents.com. One show, we talk about good night. What about good morning? And I'm talking about a good morning Night Vale with, uh, uh, with uh, Meg, Symphony, and Hal. Uh, if you haven't listened to Good Morning Night Vale, uh, you definitely should. Uh, and if you, if, you don't want, if you don't listen to Welcome to Night Vale, you could actually start listening to both at the same time. Uh, but Good Morning Night Vale is, uh, is three amazingly uh, wonderful and super funny and entertaining people 
Symphony Megan Hale uh, talking and running through uh, episodes of uh, Welcome to Night Vale, starting at the beginning of the show. And you can find it wherever you consume your podcasts. Welcome to Night Vale. Also, go ahead and queue, queue up Good Morning Night Vale. Subscribe. If you already listen to Welcome to Night Vale, then if you listen to Welcome to if you don't, uh, it gets this got more confusing than I intended. Subscribe to Good Morning Night Vale if you're a regular uh, Welcome to Night Vale listener. If you're not, uh, subscribe to Good Morning Night Vale and Welcome to Night Vale. Start both at the beginning and thank me later. Uh, so do that in your podcast apps of choice. Uh, Russell member of PRX, you can see all the wonderful things that they're doing including, you know, raising, raising new voices in podcasting. So you can see all that at prx.org. And what else? I think that's it. You know, there's plenty of other episodes here to go. I'm here to help. Uh, so, you know, just keep let the show keep it rolling if you need it. Uh, good night. All right. Hey, everybody. We're talking about Season 3, Episode uh, 12 or 13, kind of depending on Chapter 39, maybe, depending on how you're uh, – uh, divine, defining things or divi- divining things. That's an accidental pun there. It a uh, really great episode, Pandemonium. And I, of course, don't know uh, Malcolm something as uh, the doctor Jeff Goldblum plays uh, in uh, those Jurassic movies. Uh, a little bit different take on it, but a really beautiful one. Really, this is one of those episodes that's just beautiful. Uh, uh, really uh, unbelievably well done. Um, let me just uh, got to do one thing here. Uh, you, you won't notice, but I, I will. I'm just going to turn on the old. Uh, uh, well, let's see. The episode opens with uh, uh, the previous episode, Michael and Eleanor talking. Michael can't, you know, do it. He doesn't want to face uh, the new residents. Uh, doesn't want to put his friends at risk. Uh, previously Eleanor says pull it together you got this uh Michael talks about what it'd be like an epic fail failure to end all failures uh what's that say cancel or council or serial talk about being a fearless leader middle management you can do it is the thing and uh, she says you're the architect you know you're you're a smart capable tries to pump up Michael take a deep breath and open that door and say, "Hi, I'm, I'm hi, John. I'm the Michael, the architect. Come on in." And then we see Eleanor open the door, and she says, "Hi, John. I'm the architect. I'm Eleanor, the architect. Come on in." Cha- cha- then we get the opening card, chapter thirty-nine. Really good handwriting. So Eleanor at desk. Okay. Oh, Mats. I think that says because uh, she, she still has her. Oh, mints. I said, "Is that a thing of mints?" That's what I did say. Like and they looked like uh, the uh, the round ones with the hole in the middle. Maybe not though. I'm looking at them right now. Everything else is kind of like Michael's. Uh, she's talking about live squares. What when when mints? Uh, I don't think any of that happened. I don't know what live squares mean. Uh, uh, oh, lifesavers. That says uh, you. You basic. Uh, she says, you're basically in the big farm in the sky, uh, which is pretty funny. And she says, don't don't worry, John Wharton or something. Uh, I caught his name, but couldn't read my name. Uh, she says, you're in a good place. Uh, she checks his file. It's uh, 
Actually, what's interesting about his file is that uh, so it's printed on dot matrix paper. The the first part of his file uh, with that green and uh, white uh, kind of spacing to make it easier to read or classify stuff. Uh, and, but it looks like it's more of a, a laser ink or something jet 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 phased uh, printout. Oh, no, maybe not. I'm wrong. It's just a high quality. You know, I, I'll admit when I'm wrong. I was wrong. I'm looking at it right now. It is definitely uh, like a, a higher quality dot matrix, like made in the last 20 years, or, you know, a dot matrix font. And it's all written in uh, uh, kind of the cryptograms or whatever they use. No real letters that I could see. And then there's another page Eleanor goes to that's not the green. It's more of like a chart type thing or with a, those things called like boxes and not a graph. You insert them in, in spreadsheets or stuff uh, where everything's boxed off. I don't know. It makes it easier to, to relay information about John. Uh, Sono, page two is boxes. Okay, that's what that says. Uh, she says, have you met my assistant, Michael, who's sitting behind next to a plant in the background? Uh, he, he's new. He just was came, transferred over from dog heaven. So that's why he's getting used to people. Then we cut to the good place. Uh, we see Foot Lager, yeah, which had boots of beer, big leaves, pints of beer, or mugs maybe. And Jen says, so are you like an angel or something? Uh, Eleanor laughs. Uh, engaging shortwave. Uh, I don't know what that means either, but uh, she says, uh, you and your 320 neighbors, uh, so 322 people, and John asks why that is uh, significant. Uh, Everything's here for you to enjoy eternity, you and your 321 neighbors. Maybe that was what that word was, uh, eternity. Engaging shortwave, it looks like. uh, Janet shows up. She was Janet. Eleanor kind of gets Janet to play along. It's me, Eleanor, the architect of a good place. Uh, there's also, so John's talking the whole time. In the background behind him is a, a, a dude in shorts uh, eating an ice cream cone. I couldn't tell if he's talking to somebody. He's either talking to a imaginary friend or a real friend that's uh, sitting behind John so he can't see them. Really great uh, extra work, I'd say. I salute that person. Uh, Unless they said, just eat ice cream and talk, pretend you're talking to a cat. He nailed it, if that was the director, or the director nailed it. Uh, let's see, this is a part, I was so distracted, I was distracted at this next part coming up, so we might have to do a little, we got to slow it down even more. Ion crane care cleaning, and talking to someone, get some froyo. They think that's just, oh, the guy was chewing his ice cream. That's ice cream cone chewing and talking to someone. Eleanor told John to go get some Froyo. We have the first of two Drake, Ruth Bader Ginsburg jokes. John says, why isn't Janet running the neighborhood? But then we have a Soul Squad meeting in the alley. You know, so distracted by the sign in the background, which took me forever to, uh, to, 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 to decipher. Uh, but it was for a beignet shop, a beignet in the Jets. Uh, so we get like either between me and the um, good place, uh, we're getting a lot of uh, Elton John shout outs. Uh, beignet in the Jets, beignet, uh, beignet. 
Uh, Jason's back in uh, the Buddhist monk robes. They're a little bit different, uh, brighter color. I don't know if there's joke. I think they're brighter color. And I think there's, so I'm going to watch this because I thought I missed a joke in here about um, uh, napkins. Eleanor says, new plan, I'm the architect. Uh, I already told John, so don't, you know, that's no going back. Uh, Tahani says, anyone be immortal uh, that I would pick would be me. And if it wasn't me, it'd be you. Jason says, you're going to rock this. You're like the Blake Bortles, whatever's going on right now. And Eleanor says, I think I can do it. And she says, also, there's a time I studied Brad Pitt, wanted to be an architect. I uh, read Lorado's interviews. Uh, and then Michael will be back to normal soon. He's just stressed because he was experiencing love. Uh, Michael says, look at the Soul Squad together. I love you so much. Uh, so she says, Chidi, have Janet get the files. Tahani, work on the welcome party. Okay, she says, for the napkins, I normally do Queen's Tuck, uh, but I was thinking of shaking it up and doing a Yorkshire butterfly. I didn't get to look that up because I missed I saw the joke the first time I was watching the episode for pleasure, but then uh, not one of the other two times I was watching it for. Uh, so let's see, Chidi files. Chidi, then the next scene is Chidi's got files everywhere. Eleanor's enjoying, because she, she's like, I'm a world-class liar. Uh... Like dating my, uh, oh, this, she says, this is a little bit like dating my boss. I think she says world-class liar, baby. Eleanor does a handshake kiss move on Chidi. Chai, oh, I just saw a label that I didn't notice before. Chai something. Chidi, not Chidi. Maybe drinking a chai. Eleanor has a rainbow shirt on. I can't read it. It's not a, John Wheaton. That's the name, though, the John. Uh, Elsa Eleanor smacks cheese behind. Tahani meets John, who had a blog about uh, who was quite M E A N to Tahani. He claims it was truth to power. And she says, What are the odds? And then she actually, this is a fast moving part. She says, What are the odds? They're impossible. So she runs back to Good Place HQ. She says, It is a high Tahani. Uh, John was a gossip columnist, uh, shallow. Plagued with jealous, oh, she says, who saw me as shallow, plagued with jealous, jealousy and prone to fits of melodrama. And really, uh, I mean, this episode was the most uh, top-notch acting we've seen. Uh, I mean, I think William Jackson Harper in particular, but everybody was on point. Uh, let's see, plagued, plagued with the jealousy, prone to fits of melodrama. It was just really funny. Since... Uh, since in war, wardrobe ball place tricks, uh, they say this must be a bad place. I don't know, like uh, the bad place chose this. Uh, so then they had call a meeting with a, a judge, the judge and Sean. Uh, Tahani mentions Diddy's white party. Uh, Sean was in a red square, judge was in a blue square. They're kind of like FaceTiming. And she's snacking. I don't know if this is product placement. She, there was a Starbucks bag on her desk, uh, like she was snacking on a like coffee cake or something. Oh, oh this is where, why is it this in here? Simone, uh, they say. Michael says, "Jesus, why didn't I anticipate Sean doing this? Like making picking people that were difficult." Uh, and Tahani, uh, Eleanor, and uh, Michael go out, and Simone's in the waiting room. Our exes. Uh, then they have the FaceTime meeting. 
Red Square, Blue Square, Starbucks. Sean's also Sean's desk has a blotter and a desk set, just like Michael's, uh, uh, which I thought was interesting. Uh, this was my daughter's favorite joke. It was in probably mine. Uh, they start to come up with a plan, and Eleanor says, "Jason, talk to no one, go nowhere, and do nothing." He says, "I won't let you down." Uh, Sean talks about checkmate. Chidi's not okay. It's normal. Avoid, just avoid Simone, they say. And he goes, no, no. They say, you could probably go 10,000 years without running into her. Because uh, the judge says, okay, can't undo what's done, but you can blank Simone's memory of all of you. But then Chidi's kind of like, well, I can't blank my memory of her and I'll give it away. Because uh, Eleanor says, avoid him. He says, no, no, I'm like a ethics teacher of the Soul Squad. To say, okay, we got to go step by step. Step one, I don't know what step one is. Uh, like, uh, do, 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 do Jason don't talk to anybody. Uh, step two, let's see, don't, before, don't, you won't run into Simone. Easy to avoid her. She's kind of making points. Michael's thinking. We'll plan help them learn ethics. Uh, Eleanor says, we'll deal with it later. Let's just take it step by step. Uh, step one, you know, let me talk to Simone. We got to check her in here to fake heaven. Uh, then we have Tahani staring at John. And uh, where, where did I, uh, she says, Janet, I'm going to give John an insult. Is this one good? Uh, she says, what is that shirt? Mark Fakeups. Uh, and Janet says, yeah, 87% chance uh, it'll work. But there's a 29% chance he'll get, give a quip back. Oh, honey. And uh, it'll uh, deflate her. And she says, uh, there's a really good uh, uh, smile, like a knowing smile from Janet. And Tahani says, you know what? This is what the bad place wants me to do. There was a, It was right at the end. There was a little button on the end of Tahani saying, I'm going to be nice. Uh, I'm not going to be gonna try to throw shade at John and ask him if his shirt is or shoes are Mark Fakeups. Uh, then we have orf platters. I shan't, uh, old patterns. Uh, that's what Tahani says. I shan't let it uh, get to me. Then Eleanor comes out, meets Simone, says, Hi, Simone, come on in. She says, Let me give you a tour. Lasagna tomorrow. Lasagna tomorrow. Maybe there's a middle thing. There's a restaurant I didn't notice on any of the other passes. Okay, then uh, uh, Simone's eating Froyo. And uh, she says, uh, half strawberry, half uh, busted male coworkers taking your ideas. Uh, uh, oh, she's getting a tour. She also says, uh, Eleanor says, what do you think about this? You know, the afterlife thing. She goes, well, it could be a complex neurochemical uh, caused by my, you know, reaction caused by my synapses firing in milliseconds after I passed away. And Eleanor says, don't, you know, don't bother meeting anybody. Just hang out. Even though the town's jamming, it, and Simone seems very outgoing, it seems inevitable. Then we see Chidi watching from afar. I don't need to get to the timer, just a chill talk, me and Michael. Uh, I think Eleanor says, just chill, dude, uh, to, to, to Chidi. I need to get something. Uh, Chidi looking over. Oh, this is a. Uh, oh, that's when Eller says to, to, to Simone not to talk to anybody. And Chidi's looking on background. 
Uh, Eleanor says one of her old power moves was not recognizing people she recognized. Uh, this is one of my deep I said, well, if I recognize a person and they don't recognize me, how do I handle that? Uh, so they, they, I never know how to greet people. Uh, she says, I think it's going to be okay. She says, no, it's not. No forking way. Uh, Eleanor says, I used to run to my exes all the time. Uh, she says, Simone's perceptive. Uh, there's a great Eleanor Michael exchange look there. And they say, well, what about, uh, and Chidi's really, this This is the scene uh, uh, where there just has to be just emotional undertone that has to get across uh, for it not to seem really, really heavy lifting, in, in my opinion. Chidi, uh, uh, I'm so used to referring to Chidi. Uh, it's great acting. Uh, so, uh, no racing us, because uh, they say, well, you could blank Chidi's memory of Simone. They say, no, you can't just do that. You'd race everything. Uh, you know, they're like, well, who are you going to have? This Chidi's like, this is what we're going to have to do to make this work. Uh, and Eleanor's, of course, like, uh, I don't know. This thing, things are going good. Uh, then we have had and then a Soul Squad meeting uh, coming up with a plan. Next time, I want to remember you. Oh, because she tells the whole rest of the Soul Squad, uh, I'm not going to remember, tomorrow I won't remember anybody. And Jason has a few things about pizza, nobody. Uh, second Drake and Ruth Bader Ginsburg joke, we see the hourglass, uh, or at least I notice the hourglass. Uh, most intricate cork pork. Okay, let me see if uh, this was, uh, couldn't pick this one up, but let me see if I can pick it up in the uh, closed captioning. Eleanor says something, the most intricate cork pork, uh, you know, that the way, or core pork, uh, luster, I don't know what, what it was. Uh, says, yeah, I haven't met a more perfect couple than Drake and Ruth Gator Ginsburg. The bad place is pulled off, uh, the most intricate cork pork of all time. I don't know what word it is. Uh, oh, no, now I do. Okay. It took me a while, uh. It's a blocking of a rooster, a cork blork. But, you know, that's only five five times watching the episode to get that one. Cork blork, that really is, is so funny. Like, uh, I don't know why I didn't. I was thinking that was an F-bomb or something, but it's more of a blocking of the rooster uh, with the hen, particularly by part of, you know, you know what I mean. Old-fashioned brainstorm, like I said, throw pencils, eat Chinese food. Say that classic ham, not merch you can. Do snippy snappy. Uh, let's see if I can recall what actually was said there. Old-fashioned rainstorm. Say that classic human. Oh, this is a classic human. Michael says, I can't deal. Like, uh, and Helena says, this is human. So like, sometimes your friends go through hard times and you can't do anything except uh, be there for them. Snippy snappy, whip wipey wipey. Uh, there was a nice hand holding of uh, Chidi and Eleanor. Then this is the this is the scene uh, that people probably are talking about and will be. I don't know if you can pack as much like ever since the opening of the movie Pixar movie up. Uh, I don't know if a mu- much uh, relationship emotional resonance has been packed into one scene. And this one was in that was at the top of the movie. This is at the, like, the high point of the episode. 
Uh, but Chidi and Eleanor, so you watch those two back to back, maybe. Uh, but Chidi and Eleanor alone, uh, and Chidi says, every time I get a stomach ache, um, you know, think of me. There's another restaurant I couldn't figure out, which was Ponzu something. So I feel bad about that. Infinite Light is still there. I think that's been in like every reboot, maybe. I don't know for sure. And then we have this uh, short movie. Uh, like, uh, you just should really watch this episode. Oh, whoops. Hold on, though. Rewind because I just saw behind Michael. We may actually get the name of the restaurant. Uh, I can pause it exactly at the right time. Hold on, Ponzu. Um, it was only there for a second, it was like a wider shot, and then it goes close on Michael. The pause didn't work because my screen went gray. Yeah, I'm here. How you doing? Yeah, just waiting to try to figure out this Ponzu. No, I can't figure it out. It was just a little bit out of focus. Uh, but Michael launches this movie, Some Memories You May Have Forgotten. And I don't know if these are all lifted from the show or some are new, I didn't, you know, because I don't read anything about it. Uh, but there was, according to my notes, uh, 15 uh, different scenes tucked into three or four minutes. And we'll run through them. Some members you may have forgotten. A silent movie montage. I don't know how long it is. Maybe I'll check check when Michael starts a rolling. Uh, let's see. It's rolling now. Twenty thirty nine on my account. We'll check it later. Of course, I didn't write it down. So, some memories. So, a silent movie montage. It shows her first hug. A cafe sushi and the sushi and the banshees. The sushi cart. Uh, Ethics 101, uh, with uh, Hume, David Hume, and uh, uh, Eleanor studying. Oh, there's a big hug. I wonder when that was. Oh, there's the awkward hug. The first real hug, the first awkward hug. Did I miss all that already? And then they keep cutting back to them for real. Uh, Kardashian-Jenner family tree, uh, which Eleanor runs through. Which I could probably back up and check if you want me to. Us Weekly, Chidi studying Us Weekly while owners teaching about the Kardashians that seem into the den of thieves by Gary Perello. That I looked up last time, or Lions or something. Couldn't find that, but I assume it's real. Uh, handshake and stomach ache to hug. Uh, an awkward hug. Uh, they go home, there's a llama in, the, in their place, or Eleanor's place. Uh, there's their picturesque boat trip. Uh, like that, that, uh, I think it was at the end of season one. Uh, Eleanor putting a sweater on to a chalkboard, kiss a cheaty and a smile. Uh, cafe, alfresco kiss, a mega kiss. Uh, uh, resting, pino, rain. Oh, that's later. Uh, lean in, alley kiss, a 1920s train ride. Uh, an inside disagreement, an outside disagreement. Uh, Waiting at the train station, and Chidi comes around with a bag, uh, drops it, and kisses Eleanor. That was uh, that was a pretty legit kiss too. Uh, then, like, uh, let's see, we'll get to the last uh, scene. But I was just uh, bang banging out, Re- really uh, advanced. Lo- oh, here's the Jenner family tree. Let's just see. Pause it here. I just rewound it though. Sushi and the Banshees, Janet's in different, uh, I guess the different reboots, uh, David Hume out of, fo- oh, yeah, a little bit about David Hume in focus. 
Chloe and Tristan, uh, Eleanor standing in front of it. So we got uh, Robert, Chris, and Caitlin, and Linda are all connected by dotted lines. So, so Caitlin and Linda had Brody, who's also married to a Caitlin with a K, I think. Uh, then Brandon and Leah, they have a sign that maybe that means they're not in a relationship anymore. Uh, and Ava. Uh, then we have Kendall and uh, Kylie. Those are Chris and Caitlin's children. And Kylie and Travis. And they have uh, Storm. Is that uh, Stormy? Is that it? I can't, I can't read it. Uh, then let's see. We have Rob and Black, B-L-A-C. And I can't quite read that. Chloe and Tristan, I think uh, Courtney... And it went fast, so I didn't have it all. But uh, you, you, you could look it up. Okay, then they have a resting, reading piano, a oh, reading picnic. Uh, this is the last scene. Uh, 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 Eleanor and uh, Cheetah reading during a picnic. It starts to rain. Then they uh, full-on love dancing and kiss in the rain. Uh, slow dance. You know, Passion City, pretty good. And they're like, yeah, this is pretty good. I'm going to miss you. And then Eleanor says, except you won't. Uh, Eleanor also calls herself a legit snack. Uh, time means this. Okay, this is so romantic. GD always has the most romantic things to say. He says that time means nothing. Uh, we, like uh, Jeremy, bear me. Like uh, when all this is over, we can just hang out on the dot of the eye forever. That I mean, he said other romantic things that were more romantic than that that I forget. Uh, but that's pretty romantic. Uh, we'll be okay because the eye is where there's you know t- nothing, no time, time, you know some, whatever. Uh, you could watch that episode again. But they say, "Geez, we found each other uh, before, or whatever." Through thousands of reboots, uh, really, really deep scene. Uh, um, I mean, for 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 the show, but you think about how many I don't I don't know how many sitcoms have uh, this kind of uh, emotional tautness. I guess maybe I mean it's a fraught thing to try to pull off, but they pulled it off. Um, and I guess they didn't try too hard. Like they had the the scene, and then and then just the two of them talking. Uh, I wish we had more time together. Oh, time means nothing. Jeremy, bear me, baby. We'll get through this. Then you and I could chill out in the dot of the eye forever, Chidi just said. As I said earlier, Eleanor says, we'll be okay. Found each other before hundreds of times. Scoots just said this, uh, we'll do it again. And they're both nodding, staring. And then Michael says, yo, it's time. Oh, wait, there's another store. Let me see if I can see this one. I got I'm like Eleanor. I got to interrupt this emotional, uh, stuff, uh. You see Chidi's once again saying, Jeremy, bury me, baby. Then you and I could chill out in the dot of the eye forever. Right, uh, Eleanor says, we'll be okay. She's wearing this nice green sweatshirt. They found each other before hundreds of times. Scoots just said twice, said we can do it again. Mall chocolate, milk chocolate, everything. That was the store. Good thing, you know, that's worth it. You got to hear that. You know, it's Valentine's Day maybe coming up for, for people, so... Put that on a card, you know, and also credit uh, credit the good place. So, Ponzu Crame, yeah, I still couldn't read the Ponzu sign. Owner's watching Chidi walk away. Slow mo, 
uh, they gave each other a goodbye kiss too, by the way. And then the commercial comes. Uh, then the next scene is Eleanor at her desk, uh, uh, formerly Michael's desk, and uh, now the architect's desk. Uh, she's thinking, uh, Jan, she says, Jan, I need to tell tell me the answer. You know, I need your help. And uh, uh, Janet appears. Uh, she goes, you know, just tell me everything. Uh, Janet has this unbelievably good look, too. You know, the answer to everything Eleanor says. Oh, I forgot to look up how long that uh, scene was. Here's that's the look. Uh, what's the point of love if it's just going to disappear? You know, better to love or never love at all, whatever. Again, another great look. Uh, Eleanor's got her share of looks, but she's, you know, having to talk, too. And uh, she says, I know how it feels. You know, I, I, Jason didn't know me, even though we were in love. Uh, and uh, it didn't feel good. I didn't like how it felt. Uh, and she said, the more human I become, the less things make sense. Oh, boy, is that deep. Uh, let me just say that. Let me rewind it and say it again. Because yeah, I hear you, Janet. The more human I become, the less things make sense. Uh, and she says, but if it was all automated, it would be like if it'd be like a food processor, right? Uh, if they gave you the answer and it made sense, uh, it wouldn't be special. Uh, just m- machinery fulfilling its cosmic design. That's not what I'm, you know, I'm becoming human to, 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 to partake in. Sorry, I'm just I'm paraphrasing here or adding my own. It's euphoria. And all this randomness, this pandemonium, you and Chidi found each other. You had a life together. Isn't that remarkable? A great smile by Eleanor. And Eleanor says, that's from Paradise Lost, pandemonium. That was the center of the, the not good place. And she goes, Chidi tricked me into that, saying, you know, the, the person down there was my type. Uh, and... Uh, Janet says, yeah, that's on brand for you. Uh, and then the credits start to run. And Eleanor says, I guess I have to embrace the pandemonium, find happiness in this unique insanity of being here now. And then uh, Janet says, uh, uh, we can do this together. In the words of the man I love, I got you, dog. I mean, really, just, just writing. Yeah. Phenomenal. Uh, and, uh, she goes, you're a great girlfriend, great robot girlfriend, uh, Janet. Janet goes, I'm only one of those three, a friend. Cause she's had to tell Jason the other two things. So she's not a thousand times. And then we have a, a quick second of, uh, Eleanor alone. She gets up from the desk and she goes out. She says, hi, Chidi, I'm Eleanor. Come on in. And they both have nice smiles, uh. Uh, wow, <laughs> really tugger. You know, this episode was real tugger. You know, tugging on the strings like Ricky Ticky Tavi style. So that was a, g- a good one. Now let's uh, dig into like some research here. Uh, that's why it sounds like it, because I'm, you know, I'm so emotional. Okay, good place finale, which was called Pandemonium. So let's start with uh, the SAVE, like Savings Bank LIFE. Uh, which was an American brand, according to Wikipedia, of hard candy and mints, uh, fruit-flavored, known for its distinctive pa- packaging. 
in paper-wrapped aluminum foil rolls. Uh, Clarence Crane of Garrettsville, Ohio, also the father of uh, poet Hart Crane, invented this as a summer candy in 1912 that could withstand heat better than chocolate. Uh, its name is derived from a similar shape uh, to the things uh, when you throw someone who falls off a boat. Uh, registered the trademark and then sold the rights to Peppermint, uh, Peppermint Candy, uh, to Edward John Noble. Oh, that was the name of his company, Cranes. 2900 bucks. And Noble went to the tinfoil wrappers from Cardboard Rolls, uh, which didn't work. Uh, and he founded the Life Sabers uh, Candy Company in 1913, expanded the market uh, by putting them next to cash registers, restaurants, and grocery stores. He said uh, to give always give customers a nickel in their change to include sales of the five-cent Life Savers. Uh, the slogan, still only five cents, helped them become a favorite treat for children with a tight allowance. Uh, the first five flavor will appear to not, all, all the way in 1935. Here's a fact about Scoots. Uh, you know, I don't rare, uh, often get my hands on lifesavers that are multi-flavored. And I'm a big coconut. Like when I do have that tropical lifesavers, I like all the tropical ones. But I love that. Co- ever since I was a kid, I loved that coconut lifesaver. If I got to go with the five original pride cherry. Um, they've had, uh, lots of other ones, including holes that's discontinued. I remember those holes, uh, lollipops, uh, gummy savers. Those are real. They, they do make a quality a gummy saver. Uh, let's see. So, uh, what else do we got here? Port Chester, New York, uh, it was the primary manufacturing spot, uh, by 1919, they had six uh, flavors other than mint, uh, wintergreen, Quelove, Licorice, uh, Cinnamon, and Violet, uh, and Chocolate, Malto Milk. Uh, man, I gotta, I gotta get myself a time machine just to try these. Uh, uh, they've tra- traded uh, like, uh, you know, multinational corporations over the years. Let's see, uh, more than a few times. I mean, if you knew some of these owners, you'd say, what? you got to be kidding me. The truth is, they made a Roy Kroc movie. I mean, I don't know if they tell you. It's just interesting tracing tracing the, uh, uh, but Wrigley's was the last owner, and then Mars acquired Wrigley's, uh, so I'm assuming that's who they're still run by. Uh, so it's just a little bit about it. I don't know, because I was wondering if those were on her desk. I also wondered about certs. Uh, because they have this thing called Retson. I said, what the heck is that Retson that you hear about in search commercials? Search uh, is a breath mint, uh, long most popular mint, 1956. Uh, they're classified mints, but they have no oils of any mint plant. Uh, they contain Retson, a trademark name for copper, gluconate, uh, hydrogenated cottonseed oil, and flavoring. And it's the copper, gluten, G-L-U-C-O-N-A, Writes in or the search that gives it the green flakes, which is a copper salt of D gluconic acid. It is an odorless, a light blue or blue green crystal or powder, soluble in water, insoluble in ethanol. And it may, may or may not, may not, may or may not help your breath, uh, but uh, comes in those. What about uh, this? Is from thoughtco.com. You know, let's just do a quick run through about a Buddhist monks. Uh, this is by Barbara O'Brien. 
It was updated uh, to July 28th, uh, 2018. Yeah, serene orange-robed Buddhist monks are an iconic figure in the West, uh, uh, but they don't all wear uh, orange robes, uh, and some of them are not celibate vegetarians that live in monasteries. Uh, uh, according to the although the historical Buddha did have his d- disciples, early Buddhism was pro- primarily monastic. Uh, from the foundations of Buddhism, the monastic Sangha has been the primary container that maintained the integrity of the Dharma and passed on to new generations. Uh, for centuries, the monastics were the teachers, scholars, and clergy. Uh, let's see. An establishment of lineage tradition. Uh, uh, the let's see, the original order was established by the historical Buddha. Uh, there was no formal ordination ceremony, but as more and more disciples grew, uh, Buddha adopted more stringent procedures. Uh, one of the most important stipulations attributed to the Buddha was that uh, the fully ordained monks uh, must be present. At the ordination and fully ordained, uh, okay, so different types of monks. Uh, maybe, maybe there's like an unbroken lineage. I don't know. There's two tiers of ordination. This is a nice article about it uh, if, if you want to learn more. And it has some links to other articles. Uh, but what about that beignet in the Jets? Uh, if you know me, I'm an Elton fan. In uh, Benny and the Jets, uh, is a song by uh, Elton and Bernie, uh, just like the uh, last uh, song we covered. Uh, first appeared on Goodbye Yellowbird Road in 73. One of the most popular songs uh, was performed at Live Aid. Uh, it's been, uh, Benny's been uh, written as B E N N Y and B E N N I E. It was on uh, side one. Uh, Elton didn't want to release it as a single because he didn't think it would uh, uh, work. Uh, but first it went wide in uh, Ontario, then in Detroit, uh, and uh, you know became a top forty song. It was uh, it was also John's first top hit, top forty hit on what the time was called Billboard Hot Soul Single Chart, where it peaked at fifteen. Uh, the song tells the story of Benny and the Jets, a fictional band whom uh, the song's narrator is a fan. It's written in G major. Uh, Bernie said the song's lyrics are a satire on the music industry of the 70s, a glitz and greed. Uh, so the, a lot of the lyrics affect that. Uh, mohair suit, you know, I read it in a magazine. Oh, uh, Let's see what else. Uh, they in the studio, Elton John and the band were. It was too plain and unoriginal, and that's why Elton John fought tooth and nail against it coming out as a single. It was one of the oddest songs we ever recorded, according to Davy Johnstone. We just sat back and said, "This is really odd." It sounds it sounds like me and Bernie would get along great. Uh, while uh, mixing the album, they added reverb, applause, and other things from uh, other concerts, and even a Jimi Hendrix album. There's just a crowd noise. Elton John rarely plays the song verbatim to the studio version, and also uh, sometimes will make uh, subtle or drastic changes. Uh, so that's just a little bit about uh, Benny and, or Benye and the Jets. Uh, we'll skip the lyrics. Uh, 
to a time. Let me time check here. Okay, let's talk about the Diddy White Party because I didn't really. Obviously, I'm like, uh, don't you know? I'm not hip, so I kind of remember it. Uh, this article is from the Hollywood Reporter. Uh, Chris Gardner, Lindsey Weinberg, uh, 4 16, 2018. Uh, the Hamptons, Modern Day Gatsby, Witty's, uh, Diddy's, excuse me, P. Diddy. Uh, Diddy's White Party turns 20. Uh, it says the hip hop mogul made an overtop splash in 98 uh, with the first party uh, to announce his revival in a Tony Enclave of uh, in, uh, to East Hamptons. Uh, during a Labor Day party in his new house, it would be the inaugural installment in a series of summer white parties that eventually moved uh, around uh, the globe. Uh, and Paris Hilton said it was iconic and everybody was there. Uh, like a modern-day Gatsby, a thousand-person guest list, a strict, uh, uh, imposed a strict head-to-toe white dress code. It was stunning, said Martha Stewart, who was a guest at the first party. And it also helped that Diddy looked very handsome in white. Uh, uh, people in the Hamptons said uh, the first party was the end of the world, said Stephen Gaines, uh, who wrote a book about the Hamptons. And the last white party went down in Beverly Hills in 2009. No date has been set in return. There's a lot of pictures uh uh, from it, from different parties. Uh, hopefully, they don't serve pasta at it because it'd be be a mess for me. Oh, look! There's a, a, a Di, DiCaprio's there at the first one. Uh, let's see, Diddy and his family. Uh, so it's just a lot of famous people. Uh, yeah, so this, like if you're interested in seeing uh, a lot of celebrities, uh, like you say, okay. Yeah, like, uh, who who was there? But uh, pretty cool. You know, Tahani was there. She was a guest, according to her. Uh, but speaking of style and upping my style, let's check in with who Mark Jacobs is. Uh, uh, American fashion designer, uh, head designer for his own label, Mark Jacobs, formerly Mark by Mark Jacobs. Uh, been produced for over 15 years. Uh, discontinued, oh no, Mark, Mark by Mark Jacobs was a different line. It got discontinued in 2015. At one point, there was over 200 stores, uh, creative uh, director for Louis Vuitton, 97 to 2014. Uh, time, 2010 time, 100 most un- 100 influential people in the world. Uh, number 14 of 50 most powerful uh, gay men and women in America. Uh, let's see, career, uh, started at an avant-garde clothing boutique at 15. And uh, it says Parsons, so maybe he was going to school. Par- Parsons, uh, yeah, Parsons in school. Uh, while still at school, he just sold his first line of hand-knit sweaters. Uh, he uh, worked with Robert Duffy, Duffy does Jacob Duffy Designs. Uh, in 86, he was his first Mark Jacobs label. 87, he was the youngest designer to ever been awarded a fashion industry tribute, the highest tribute council on fashion designers, uh, Perry Ellis Award for New Fashion Talent. I really want to get into the style, like, uh, I guess Wikipedia's not really the place. Oh, style. Uh, explaining as close, Jacob says, what I prefer is that even if someone feels hedonistic, they don't look at uh, curiosity about, uh, you know, boom, boom, boom. 
is more interesting to me than domination. My clothes are not hot. Never, never. Uh, audience for his fashion shows uh, typically include celebrities like Kim Gordon, Gordon and Vincent Gallo. Oscar De Laurenta made a comment. A coat designed by Jake's, Jacobs closely res, resembled one that De Laurenta had made. Uh, Mr. Jacob makes no pretense that fashion emerges uh, full-blown through the head of uh, one solitary genius. Uh, makes no pretense that that happens. Uh, Jacobs was one of the first uh, fashion designers to establish streetwise aesthetics, a uh, mashup of preppy, grunge, and couture. It's also known for fi- being fine arts driven uh, and uh, avant garde AD campaigns uh, and you know, popular with uh, celebrities. Uh, so that's good to know. And let's see what else. Uh, what's this last one here? Oh, this is Shant uh, or Shant, uh, which is S H A. Apostrophe N, apostrophe T. Oh, no. Uh, shalt is a contraction of shalt or shall not. Shant, uh, I shunt, uh, I shunt to do that. Uh, so Tahani says that. Let's see what else. say. Uh, well, they talked about blogging in here. Let me just run through this real quick to finish off, and then I'll tuck you in, all right? Uh, so this is from... WebDesignerDepot.com by the staff is from 2011. Brief, brief history of blogging. A lot of people say blogging is a podcast and new blogging. Uh, it's generally recognized the first blog it was uh, links.net created by Justin Hall at Swarthmore College in 94. It wasn't until 97 the term weblog was coined uh, by Jorn Barger. Uh, Logging the web as he browsed. Uh, in 1998, it was a blog on a traditional news site with the Charlotte Observer. Uh, weblog was shortened to blog in 99. That's not that old. I mean, eight, 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 19 years. Uh, five years later, uh, William Merriam-Webster d- d- said it was the word of the year. Uh, there was a lot of different blogging platforms. Live Journal is the most popular. And then Blogger. Uh, 2000s were a period of glow, growth. Uh, 1999, according to Jesse James Garrett, there was 23 blogs on the internet. By 2006, there were 50 million. Uh, some, you know, covered news. Some covered politics. Uh, some covered fashion. Uh, there's meta blog. There was meta blogs. Blogs about blogging. Uh, then. Uh, number of blogs gathered yeah, starting 2000. Boing boing. I used to, that was with Gizmodo. Gawker, uh, Huffington Post, Wonkyet, yeah, just a little bit about it. Then there was WordPress. Uh, yeah, so I just wanted to get on it. Oh, Tumblr has uh, another one. Marco uh, that makes Overcast worked there at the very beginning, I think. Uh, so, yeah, just a little bit about it. And, uh, yeah, I hope you're, uh, yeah, let me just do some thank yous. And, uh, you know, a good place will be back in, uh, you know, season. Good night. All right, everybody, I uh, wanted to uh, thank everybody for supporting the show on Patreon recently. Uh, Adrienne, Virginia, and Kim, thank you, thanks, 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 and good night. Ariane, uh, Brad, and Matt, uh, thank you, thanks, 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 and good night. Eleanor, Jessica, and Amber, thank you, thanks, 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 and good night. Rachel, Nan, and Kate, thank you, thanks, thanks, and good night. Misty, Doug, and Dan, thank you, thanks, thanks, and good night. 
Valerie, Julie, and Sammy. Thank you. Thanks. Thanks. And good night. Uh, Lindy, Susan, and Claire. Thank you. Thanks. Thanks. And good night. Amy, Gwen, and Richie. Thank you. Thanks. Thanks. And good night. Christina, Ann, and Katina. Thank you. Thanks. Thanks. And good night. Uh, Brittany, Jay, and Kathleen. Thank you. Thanks. Thanks. And good night. Robert, Ramanda, and Kyla. Thank you. Thanks. Thanks. And good night. Elizabeth, Ashley, and Savannah. Thank you. Thanks. Thanks. And good night. Rebecca, Ryan, and Philip. Thanks. 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 And good night. Uh, Frizzly, uh, the awesome gnome, uh, Kimberly and Pam. Thank you. Thanks. Thanks. Good night. Uh, Brittany, Bridget and Stephanie. Thank you. Thanks. Thanks. Good night. Cecilia, Lindsay and Moro. Thank you. Thanks. Thanks. Good night. Ashley, Naomi and Sandro. Thank you. Thanks. Thanks. Good night. Uh, David, Claire and Rachel. Thank you. Thanks. Thanks. Good night. Anari. Juan and Susie, thank you, thanks, thanks, and good night. Uh, Bliss, uh, Sassoon, and Natalie, thank you, thanks, thanks, and good night. Eric, Jem, and Jimmy, thank you, thanks, thanks, and good night. Christina, Vakash, and Saveza, thank you, thanks, thanks, and good night. Joe, Maureen, and Stuart, thanks, 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 and good night. Enrico, Carolyn, and Rebecca, thank you, thanks, thanks, and good night. Uh, Connie, Daniel, and Joel, thanks, thanks, and good night. Andrew, Adam, and Amit, thanks, thanks, and good night. Uh, Jake, Ilex, and Megan, thanks, thanks, and good night. Uh, so thanks, everybody, who supports the show uh, directly uh, on Patreon or directly supports our sponsors. We couldn't do it without uh, listeners like you, so really appreciate that. Uh, uh, sleep with me grows because of people that spread the word about the show. So I really appreciate all the help spreading the word. I want to spread a little word about a podcast I love within the wires, uh, which is a night Vale presents podcast, uh, season three wrapped up a little while ago. And it is a journey for your ears. Uh, put on your headphones, put in your earbuds, uh, and if you haven't listened to seasons one and two, uh, you know, you could start at season three. Then you could listen to season one, then season two. You can listen in, in kind of any order, you know, or if you're a completist, you can start at the beginning. Within the Wires, you can find that in, in your podcast app, Within the Wires. Or uh, at Night Vale Presents, uh, we're a proud member of Night Vale Presents. You can go to nightvalepresents.com. We're also a member of PRX. You can see everything PRX is doing at prx.org. And that's it. There's plenty of other episodes ready to go here. So, uh, get, yeah, let me tuck you in there. Oh, yeah, get comfy uh, and cozy. Uh, Good night.